0: middle of the pack. Real discussions for the middle of the pack by the middle of the pack. We'll talk about training and racing, but we're here to deep dive into the life topics of the weekend warriors and obstacle course racing enthusiasts. Obstacle course racing isn't just a sport, it's a lifestyle. We are the middle of the pack. Hey everyone, welcome to another edition of Middle of the Pack podcast. I am Brian Lynch, Lynch, underscore BMX, underscore OCR. And I am joined today with the very lovely and multi-talented, Meggie B. Meggie B, what do you got?
1: Well, hey, it has been a rough go since OCRWC, but I am so happy that we can finally get on and talk about it unwind um, decompress and check in on the community because from the sounds of it everybody's been having a rough go of recovery brian how has your recovery been going
0: oh man it's been absolutely not amazing i had a really great 3k event there at the world championships up at stratton mountain vermont usa and uh i was doing really well 100 percent obstacle completion, and I get to ricochet, and I'm going through ricochet, and I'm feeling amazing, like literally, like, I, you know, you get on an obstacle, and you feel like everything's going. Everything up to that point was amazing. I get to the last ring, the lobster stops at the last obstacle, right before you hit the bell, and as I reached out to hit the bell, I hit it at the same time, popped the tendon in my right forearm, and oh. it was like one of those one side if I look to the left everything was awesome because I hit the bell but if I look to the right my arm was just uh pretty much laying there it sucked I was able to cross the finish line in one piece but then it was just like uh not good and as I'm looking down at my arm I'm trying to move it around feeling it I knew that the next day at the 15k was going to be an absolute just uh shit show so yeah kept my band at the 3k, got that medal. It was beautiful, felt awesome. But at the same time I was like, so close to having a good day the next day. And just that last ring, I pulled a little too hard and, uh, Goes the arm, and I was done pretty much for the weekend. I'm really glad I didn't sign up for the uh, team relay because I would have disappointed two other people pretty badly by saying I'm out. So uh, I just pretty much went into the 15k, did about 50% of the obstacles, tried every one of them, uh, got through a few, but my arm was very weak, the grip was really poor, and there was not much I could do. Um, so not only was it the physical, but it was definitely the mental uh, beating I took because. I'm not the fastest guy out there on the course, I do pretty well, but um, when you can't complete a course and you get into a race and you're just like, you already know you're defeated because of your physical state, it, it really sucks. So it took a physical and definitely a mental toll uh, going from that Friday night into that Saturday, <laughs> Saturday afternoon because my race didn't start until one fifteen in the afternoon on Saturday. Hey, when you're this old, you know, you're shaking your head. When you're this old, you go late. Uh, you let everybody else pretty much uh, rip ahead of you. And it just was a, it was just a beaten And driving home Sunday morning, I was, it sucked. Just kind of sucked. It That that one move, I wrecked the weekend. Even though it was awesome. The 3K did awesome. Felt great. It just was, man, it took a lot out.
1: Oh, especially. I'm so sorry to hear that. And I remember seeing you after the 3K and oh my heart just goes out to you that ricochet this year was no joke you're not the first Mm. person i've heard of and to be honest you're not the worst of the injuries that i've heard from ricochet oh yeah Um,
0: i've heard some vicious injuries from the whole weekend and i am uh, i'm pretty fortunate that if i did get injured i got injured this way and not uh, you saw people with uh, in-, in arm slings and limping out and on crutches coming out of the three k and even the fifteen k at the end of the day as well. There was a lot of people that got hurt. I mean, we know what we uh, signed up for. I always like to say that. We know what we signed up for. So you know this is what just what happens. I had a really good, good year up to
1: that point. And I think that is that needs to constantly be reminded to people. When they sign up for OCRWC, you know what you signed up for. And I think I really want to continue to circle back to that throughout this entire podcast, because if I talk about every single thing where we're saying, you know what you signed up for right now, we're not going to go very far in this this episode (laughs) because I can nitpick and point out a lot of things that I have a problem with or, you know, people's mindsets or whatever else that I think we need to try to reframe going forward with obstacle course racing world championships. It is such a phenomenal event, but people lose sight of the fact that it's a world championship and that you know what you sign up for. Bands are not given they're earned Mm. and you have to go in knowing what you signed up for with realistic expectations.
0: You know, I kind of have a good feeling where you're going because you're right. The the band is not given. You know, it, it's always cool. You know, people uh, sit there and go, oh, you got a participation medal. No, you had to complete the course. You had to do it. But the band is what really makes the race. So, you know, I got the band at 3K. I felt really good. But I knew I wasn't going to get the band on 15K because I knew I was incapacitated and I wasn't going to be able to get too much done. So with that. I just went into the race and it, it is true i mean this is easily i mean i've raced every brand out there every brand including the old uh, what was that battle frog battle frog and a lot of other small races big races and this is the the real pinnacle of our sport i have not been to the spartan world championships out in tahoe but i really believe that you're only going to get the same thing there this is the race to be at and when you go into it you really realize that this is truly a world championship. The people you see there, the obstacles you get there, and there is no guarantee. There is no guarantee you'll finish the race. There's no guarantee you're getting a band. It's You make it that way, because you don't put a world championship label on any race if it's going to be half ass You're really going for it. You're really putting all your every skill set you have into there. And it's just, it's awesome. This is probably the, the best race. I've not been to Europe, so I can't say the world, but it is definitely the best race I've been to. And from what I hear from people in Europe who were there, they, they love this race. That's why they came over. It is one of the best, if not the best race in the world.
1: You are hitting so many talking points that I'm like making notes. Like, yes, let's hit about that. Let's hit on that. Let's hit on that. So I'm like, literally, I just opened up a notes app and I'm like, yes, We're going to talk about this. We're going to talk about this. We're going to talk about this because you're hitting everything that I really think we need to talk about and address. With this, first, before we get into the 3K, because obviously the weekend starts with the 3K, I think the most important thing we need to mention, talk about, make light of is the incredible crew at OCRWC. Hands down. The best crew in the sport from, you know, Adrian, Rachel, and all of them. But also, you have the obstacle building crew, Battle of the Lions, Race Ready Obstacles. Yes. Yes. Um, yes, yes. You know, Sid, David, Aaron, Aaron, Justin, Bobby. They rushed it, not just all weekend. For the entire month of September and the beginning of October. Because, guys, we are recording this on the 5th of October. And I'm pretty sure they just left Vermont, like, yesterday. (laughs) Something like that.
0: OCRWC posted, let me see, I could actually take a look. They posted a couple days ago, um, they're taking down the last obstacle. And it was amazing because I'm like, they're just taking down the last obstacle. It's a week and a half. Uh, I know Aaron was saying that it takes about a month or so, if not more. Yeah, let's see. It was uh, they yeah, come- three days, actually three days ago, they started, that was pretty much the last uh, takedown of an obstacle. and. It's just amazing. And that wasn't a big, that was the uh, dragon's back. So that's not just like pack it up and go. That's a real deconstruction of, a, of an obstacle. So yeah, I mean, this is a, it, it, the effort to begin and to end is almost like a two month, two and a half month effort to get the race going, set it up, set the course up. It's not just putting up obstacles They're We're going through the woods. We're coming down certain certain runs on the ski mountain, uh, setting stuff up at the top of the mountain, the bottom of the mountain, the middle of the mountain, making sure everything in between is at least safe enough that we could run the race on. Then during the race, so you got a three-day event right there, and a three-day event. I mean, when I pulled up Thursday night walking around, Aaron and crew are still up there finishing up Dragon's Back. They were mere hours away from start of this race and they still were building the last obstacle and then Aaron was like "Yep, we got to hang up the rings on that obstacle up there we got to hang up this setup over here they weren't even done they had to you know not every obstacle was done night before they were pretty much going almost until start time building everything up and then throughout the weekend they're on you you and I both we were all over the course at different times saw Sid, one section, David, one section, Aaron, one section. You'd see them blasting by on a uh, side-by-side, making sure they could get up to another one because maybe something was wrong and an obstacle on the top. It was full bore effort the whole weekend. It just, they, they were nonstop, true industrial athletes. They, they did more miles, more effort than a lot of what we did on the course. That's for sure.
1: Yeah. I remember waking up on Friday morning and heading out to the venue. I stayed not too far from the venue. I get out to the venue, and I remember walking along the course the night before, and I was like, well, Triumph is supposed to be here. Where where is it? I don't see it yet. So Friday morning, I wake up, and there is Sid and Aaron putting up Dragon's Back, putting up Triumph. They are full-on building it Friday morning when the race starts within an hour. I'm like, oh, how is this happening? And they're we're talking to them and, you know, they're saying they didn't sleep the night before. Friday night into Saturday morning, they were up all night building. They had to make changes. And again, we're gonna talk about all of this stuff, but there were things that they needed to take out, things they needed to change. They were constantly updating everything. And it wasn't just, you know, Adrian wanted things, but they were dealing with issues with, like, the mountain itself. So they got out there. I think Battle of the Lions was posted today on their story about, like, a timeline of what all they did out there. And it's, like, I think they got out there, like, September, like, 5th or 6th or something. So they were out there weeks ahead of time. And this isn't their first go at Stratton Mountain. You know, they've been out here three times before and from the sounds of it, and again, this is me just reporting back what I've heard from various people throughout, but they had a lot of communication issues with the mountain or whatever else where some days they were told they could build things in certain places, but then they were... They had to backtrack and say, oh, no, you can't. Or you can't access this part of the mountain on this day. You can only access it on this day. And they couldn't actually get down to the base of the mountain to build until Saturday night. And when you have your entire gauntlet of obstacles, all of your hardest obstacles, your biggest obstacles in that base, in the festival, like in the village, everything else, you need to get out there earlier. But then by not having everything built like a day or two in advance, you can't be testing out the obstacles for safety. You can't be, you know, testing them out for difficulty, all that kind of stuff. So it plays a huge factor into the overall production of what's going to happen throughout the weekend. So my hats are completely off to all of those guys for what they were able to do for stepping up to the challenge and absolutely destroying it. This was by far the, I wouldn't say it's the most difficult OCRWC I've ran because there's been like some stupid hard things in the past. This was the most innovative OCRWC that I have ran. And we've said it before, innovation and difficulty can be the same thing, but they don't always have to be. Yes innovation will be difficult, but it it wasn't impossible. And honestly, I think they could have probably gone a little more difficult, but I didn't want to see them sacrifice innovation. And I think they completely crushed it with everything they did.
0: Oh, truly stuff that they had on that mountain was incredible. Even I was thinking about this earlier today, even with something as simple as that fire hose 25 pound carry thing that we had right there at the base. That was no walk in the park. Those things were actually heavy. You're looking at them going, ah, that's not such a big deal until you got to walk up and down uh, a little bit of the mountain with them. Those were even difficult, and that was a cool innovation because I had never seen them before at any other race. You've seen wreck bags, and you've seen those, uh, the what they had somewhere along the line. I keep forgetting where I was on that course. The, just the shopping bags that you had to carry back and forth. I was at that meadow way in the back there. but. Those little things are stuff that wears you out. And it, yeah, oh, yeah, they're not the hardest and it, technically not the hardest, not the difficult, but they wear you out and they put a, a lot of stress on your body to get to that next obstacle, which could be now harder because you just carry two shopping bags full of sand. But the stuff that they had to do was not only was work with the topography of the mountain, going through the woods, uh, what section of the mountain they're going to use, what section they're allowed to use, then everything at the base of the mountain in the village area, because you have to add the spectator end of it. You have a group of people at urban sky. You have a group of people at ricochet, you have at uh, Canyon at drop zone, which was a, a real hot spot for a lot of uh, uh, people to watch, see how things were going. Cause that was innovative. That wasn't necessarily the hardest thing, but it, it, For me, it was definitely a mental, I'm like looking like, all right, well, I've gone on stuff like this before, but those bars that they were using were the ones that tilted at one point in time. Mm -hmm. Um, They weren't tilting. They were right there. You had to do that little bit of a drop. And um, I'm not um, a a big lachey guy, which we we still have to talk about another podcast, but (laughs) I, I was like, man, what do I do here? Luckily, through the 3K, I was able to get through that. I was able to get through Canyon, get through Valkyrie, get through all that shot one time. And I I felt really good. But when you get up to it, you really have to think. and. For an obstacle, I think, to work as well as it did, you have to come in and it's not just the physical nature of, yeah, I could keep my L's and keep the pull-ups going and keep the grip, but you have to think about it. And if you have to think about an obstacle, that's even one more element that makes it that much more challenging. You have to sit there and look and you're watching people say in your age group, like, All right, he could do it. I know I could do it. and. No, that—that's the way I I, I came into it. But these guys worked tirelessly, night and day. If you were up there, you know when it gets dark at Stratton Mountain, it gets really dark at Stratton Mountain. Yeah, you are. uh, I mean, that sun goes behind the mountains, and that's it. It is like lights off. And even with any kind of lights you get off your little side by sides and quads, it is no easy feat trying to put those stuff thing, any of that, together in the middle of the night when it's cold because the temperature drops really fast when uh, the sun goes down over those mountains. And then the weather was kind of lousy going into it too, which is I'm sure we'll talk about some more. But yeah, my hat's off to uh, Aaron and his crew, Sid, David, Aaron, all those people who volunteered and and put a lot of effort into that. They were, uh, there was a lot of, I don't want to say heroes of the weekend, but they were really good because then they had the, they During the race, they were adjusting certain things and making things more interesting up at the top of the mountain with certain French type sounding obstacles but yeah it was uh <laughs> you know what i'm talking about we're gonna talk about for those of you for too, those of you can't see worry. this for those of you can't for those of you can't see this this is the first time that uh <laughs> Maggie and i are on a video chat next to each other so as soon as i said that french sounding i saw her brain ticking she's like oh <laughs> yeah. yeah oh i
1: trust me i got into enough trouble with that one <laughs> we will talk to that about that one i have no apologies I will give an apology, but I will not, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to apologize for what I did, but I'll apologize to Adrian, but that's about it.
0: Yeah, (laughs) I mean, that's the thing too. Adrian was, uh, you know, as a race coordinator, uh, a race director, you have to make decisions that sometimes are not the most popular ones, but at the same time, you have to make it so it keeps things Uh, flowing and interesting and and, uh, the the whole crew absolutely fantastic job up there all the volunteers thank you so much for doing everything you've done a lot of those volunteers are fantastic they are oh they're all
1: um, fantastic everybody volunteers on a race weekend is an incredible individual you are the world's best human beings thank you guys so much for taking the time to step in and i always love ocrwc because you see so many pros volunteer yeah yeah and that is one of the best things that we can do in this sport
0: yeah one of the uh i think it was Chris gulski she was uh she was volunteering and then it was her time to get on the 100 meter uh short course and there she was with her volunteer shirt like, taking her first run her first oh God, uh, run up there which was really cool so yeah thank you everybody for doing that that was uh that was really awesome
1: yes and we're not going to stop thanking all of these oh, incredible no. people because honestly that this weekend would not have happened without every single one of them. And I am just in awe by what everybody was able to do to make this weekend happen.
0: It's dedication to the sport. And, you know, you don't you don't get that in a lot of sports where, you know, Sid and Aaron could probably rip through that course like nobody's business. And, and David, because you see him when they were testing the obstacles in the little videos before the race actually took place the days leading up to it. They get through. They they know what they got to do. They're really good athletes. and But they're like, no, we're, we're not here for the race. We're not here for the medal or keeping the band. We're here to give the experience to others. And that's really selfless, too, whether you get paid or not. I mean, you know, they didn't start by, hey, I'm going to build the course. No, they started as athletes, just like 99% of the people do. And it was just, it's really awesome that they said, you know what, we're going to be builders. We're going to make the sport better a different way. We're not just going to be the athletes. We're going to be the people who bring the sport to the people, make the sport better. And it, seriously, thank you guys so much. Thanks for the guys, the ladies, everybody who really puts a, a, a such a the heart and soul and effort into everything they do for this, because it is, it's not easy. This is not easy. It's not like just putting pieces together on a flat piece of property. It's a, it's a lot of work. So thank you so much.
1: I think what, before we, you know, I don't want to say stop talking about them because we're obviously going to be talking about them the entire time. Surprise. We're like going to worship the ground that all of our obstacle builders walk on. Um, We love them. But I think one thing we need to continue to point out, and we've talked about it before over and over is. The level of innovation that goes into what these guys are doing, and we've talked about it in relation to like what a savage is doing or the lack of things Spartan is doing. You get savage, and I'm not gonna say what savage is doing is wrong. Savage in the more recent years have been upping the difficulty, and sometimes we don't always agree with how they're doing the difficulty, whereas with the Battle of the Lions, Race Ready Obstacles, you know, all of the OCR building stuff that they're doing. I keep forgetting what they actually call themselves, like Team Obstacle Builders or something. Oh, whatever. Oh, Sid, Aaron, David, team? their entire crew. Whatever they decide to call themselves, follow them on Instagram. Yeah. whenever we Team can Build actually
0: OCR. Do- it is Team Build OCR. Aaron and Sid, OCR Builders. Uh, wait, hold on. Get you the official because it really... Need a shout out here at Coach Sydney and at Race Ready Obstacles. Share the behind the scenes of building obstacle courses in racing. Discuss all things obstacles. So they are course designers, race directors. They are the full everything. If you're listening to this. You listening to this right now. Go to them at Team Build OCR. Just Build OCR. Team Build OCR. They are the most awesome group of guys you'll ever want to meet and on the course they're fantastic and really good friends of ours love them absolutely give them a give them a follow cuz they definitely deserve it
1: what they do in this sport is unlike anybody else right now they are building innovative obstacles and what they preach is it's not necessarily the most difficult of obstacles as long as you have your techniques you'll be able to get through them But like you were saying, a lot of these obstacles made you stop and think about how you're going to complete it. And that's what they're looking to do. It's not, oh my gosh, how am I supposed to make this eight foot lache that I have never done before? But instead it's, oh, well, I have to go up a little bit onto a monkey bar a couple of times, but then I'm dropping down suddenly. And then I have to do it again. And then I have to drop down. And I have to do it again and hit a bell. It's like. I looked at that and I'm like, well, that's steep. I remember, you know, at Tilt-A-Kilt at Indian Mud Run, it was a lot steeper than it was at Highlander back last year. So you really had to, like, pull up with it. But it doesn't look like that far of a liché. Maybe I can just liché it. But then once I got on it, I was like, oh, it is a lot steeper. I'm not going to be able to liché this because it is a wider gap and I'm tapped. So I thought, okay, I'm going to try a lateral swing. I swung out. I'm like, nope, I don't have the kind of swing I need to from this bottom bar. The bars itself are absorbing my energy. Not going to try a lateral swing. Get back to the start. And okay, I'm going to pull up two times. Grabbed onto the lower bar for the second segment. I dropped down suddenly and swung. And that momentum was able to get me up the entire second ladder. And then once I got to the third one, I could get a solid swing going and I could shade of the bell. I had to utilize literally every technique in my repertoire for all of OCRWC. I mean, I chicken winged a few things. I used the figure four a couple of times. I swung. I locked off. I pulled up. I did everything I trained myself to do and I didn't really have to think about it because I already had those techniques planned out and I, my body knew what they were going to do and that is exactly what you know, team obstacle builders. I suck at remembering what they're called. Team
0: Build OCR.
1: (laughs) Team Build OCR. There you go. That is exactly what they preach in all of their races. It's not about how difficult can we make this, but how innovative and new and how challenging can it be both mentally and physically. And that is probably the biggest takeaway I have, from this entire race weekend and again I said I don't think the difficulty level was too high the innovation level was ridiculously high and our sport is still so new that we still have a lot of people that are only running Spartans Tough Mudders maybe getting Mm -hmm. a Savage race here or there and then you have the Europeans coming in who see something completely different than what we do over here And, yeah, they can crush it because they're used to innovation and ninja shit.
0: Yeah, ninja shit is right.
1: (laughs) Ninja shit. And we're going to talk about more of that. But if you're not going and exploring the innovative locals, you know, all of the stuff that team obstacle builders are um, putting on. I'm giving myself a little victory dance for getting that run right. If you're not going and exploring their races and the races that, you know, they have, they're in the ear of, you're not going to really learn how innovative the sport can be. And you're not really going to succeed at OCRWC.
0: One of the things with OCRWC is that you have to, if you just did Spartans, you are going to hit a wall of difficulty like no other. If you hit Savage's, Savage would pretty much, pretty much, I'd say 75% get you there for really knowing what's coming up because Savage puts together the Savage rig that's uh, always different. I was at Pennsylvania this year, went down to the Maryland fall race, and both Savage rigs uh, were really, really cool. One had the Lachey in Pennsylvania, and the other one had a ring between the Lachey. Um, and you still had to do a little bit of innovative kicking and timing and everything while you're swinging there. And that was the same thing with these races. You had to do a little bit of timing, especially on, say, Canyon, where uh, you had to know how to use your momentum to get from down one side up the other side and hit that bell. Uh, Valkyrie was the same way. Um, so it, you could do that. But if you don't go to the local races, say, like Highlander Assault, the Abominable, Frontline, out of the lions, some of the other ones that are around, even man, is it Great Swamp Race, Great Green Swamp Race? I apologize. Black
1: Swamp.
0: I was getting there. I was going to go through the colors and uh, the yeah, Phoenix black Race,
1: swamp. the one that Phoenix. Phoenix, just,
0: yeah, the Phoenix. They just race. took them well, over because they're yeah, they're kind of all within that uh, those families who stick together, the the Phoenix crew, um, everything that goes on with them. Push the innovation envelope where Spartan won't, Savage does a bit, but they're the ones who come up with some crazy stuff. And if you were at Indian Mud Run this year, you knew if you handled Indian Mud Run well enough and, and you were able to get through, you knew what you were going to see at the Worlds because let's face facts, I mean, it's the same crew building it. Even Hubie was out here at Worlds, uh, the legend that built and, and developed Indian Mud Run. And he was having a little bit of tough time on some of them. I'm, you know, he, he, he was a uh, Yeah. Oh man, which was the one I actually passed him on it and I felt really good about myself. I'm like, oh man, I passed Ubi. But yeah, it wasn't uh, an easy course and that's the way the world championships you put any world championship in any sport together it's not supposed to be easy whether you're you know it's the number one and number two team going at each other or going to any kind of racing event it's got to be something where it's hard and difficult and you're going to be challenged physically mentally emotionally because that's everything that these weekends bring in so when you know things happen out on the course it's not this isn't the race where you just are like ah, eh, don't worry about it i'll get it next week. No, this is the race where you're like, I worked all year to get to this point. This is the pinnacle. This is it. This is where you wanted to have your best performance, have your best uh, mental attitude, all your emotions in check. And when you got there, you wanted to be a hundred percent. When the crew puts out something there and it kind of scares you a little bit, that's what the race is really all about. I mean, you go to Savage, you get scared by one or two. But when you go to Worlds, you're like, oh man, urban sky always a problem for some people. Even what was I don't know. What was the it wasn't a rig. It was at the top of the mountain. It was the slide up oh under Use the pegs to go under. Then you had to pull yourself back up on the bar again and stop. Oh, under
1: over the four, force five under over or over under. Yeah,
0: something like that. Yeah. They they even changed they even changed that Mm -hmm. a little more from previous years, where instead of having that first double bar flat, they put that at an angle.
1: And then the volunteer didn't know the rules. Yeah. 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 That that was was a problem.
0: problem. We won't get into that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's gotta be written yeah. rules stated there right at the obstacle going, you know You know, just a basic
1: out. start on top when you mm-hmm. get right before when you go under the bar to get to the pegs, you gotta turn underneath, go under with the pegs, and then when it flattens out again, get back on top. And don't touch anything that's not blue. It's yes. all it needed to be. Yeah. You keep mentioning how how Spartan is not going to get you ready for this. And one of the very few responses I actually got on the OCRWC discussion actually okay. it falls in line with that. So I'm going to read it. I'm going to completely butcher this person's Instagram name. <laughs> His Instagram handle is TokiXDoki what he responded with saying haven't been in the ocr world long but thought spartan was the pinnacle of ocrs and then parentheses broke pretty standard and not much changed but ocrwc relit my interest in ocrs obstacles were varied and elevation was added with purpose parentheses give our upper body a break also the dragon tested my fear of heights with being a colossal slide if I was a better athlete, I'd like to try it again in the future. And I think a lot of people who are newer to the OCR world think Spartan is the big race. It's, you know, yeah. it, it's the most popular. They have them all over the place. But then it turns into people for years saying, I can't beat the monkey bars. I can't climb the rope. I can't throw a spear. But they keep going out over and over and over and over. And you're not getting a monkey bar at OCRWC. We had a rope climb this time. Awesome. Yay. We had a rope climb. But, like, you're not going to get a Twister. You're not going to get an Olympus. You're not going to get obstacles that you've seen almost anywhere else. I mean, hell, if you hadn't been out to OCRWC before, you hadn't seen a Valkyrie. You hadn't seen, you know... Force five, Ray, you. Canyon. Yeah. And oh my God, I'm just going to throw this out here right now. We have so much more to talk about it. But guys, we have there. seen Legaff since 2017.
0: That is true. We I was Canada.
1: do not need to be taking Legaff out of OCRWC. It's been in Um. 2017. They had a variation of it in 2018, 2019 in Canada. It was at NORAM 2018, 2019. Yes, it was. It was here at OCRWC in Stratton 2021. It was here again this year. There is no reason why we should still be significantly struggling. And I know everybody's different, but like, you know, it's going to be in there anticipate it. I'm going to fill you in on a little secret. To beat Legaff, you climb high, you lean back. That's all you got to do. Don't worry about the pegs. Climb high, lean back. So for Adrian to have to tell the build guys, Friday night, Legaff is out. Completely unacceptable. I'm not going to throw anybody saying it's your fault, your fault, your fault, your fault, your fault. The difficulty they said was just way too high for it it was causing way too many backups i get it it was after a long climb and it was tough it was cold on friday but guys we're gonna have legaff again most likely who knows maybe we won't now because so many people are failing it but
0: i got up to Legaff and went through and slipped just before i got to the last poll went started over and through hit the bell dropped down comes some dude i'm gonna leave his name out of it he comes whipping around me i'm like this dude was way back behind me i said oh you just gave up on your band and i look he's like no the guy back there said we don't have to do it because of the backup i'm like what are we talking about middle of the race middle of an event middle of the event where people were on it trying to get through it the right way and get the bell and do the right thing they're like, nah, don't worry about it. If you're not, uh, just go around it if you don't want to uh, uh, go through it. I mean, look, I wasn't going for a, a podium finish, and that's fine. I still wanted to do as best as I can and beat as many people as I could. What was in the middle of the race? It's like you're telling people they could do it or not do it, and some people heard that you were doing it, and then you, I'm up there doing it, got through it, and, you know, I struggled a little bit on it because I was cold and it was rotten weather. But this guy comes whipping by, and I'm like, dude, what? What the hell? So it, it's you're going through it, you put all that effort into it, and then someone's just like, see ya." They're like, not worried about us finishing it. Then I am having a hard time wrapping my head around how you do that in the middle of a race. Finish the race. If you don't want to use it on the 15K, hey, by all means. But if it starts, if the use of the obstacle starts for everybody, it's got to finish for everybody. 100%. You can't just, you can't just shut it down in the middle of a race. It's kind of like, I don't worry about it and then everybody's breezing through not only is it the fact that yeah okay you breeze through people who are on it even if they were ahead of you or behind you and got through it and struggled to get through it maybe did it two three times whatever that was a tremendous amount of physical effort they exerted onto that obstacle that took away you know took away that energy going down going down through the course whereas someone goes breezing right right through it They're keeping their arm strength, keeping their leg strength. They're not getting bruised up. They're not taking all that mental, physical uh, struggle out of themselves. And they're kind of like a breath of fresh air on down past you. So it's kind of like, I don't get it. Uh, I don't get why that decision was made in the middle of a race. I mean, you don't want to do it the 15K by all means. Don't do it at the 15K. Fine. But you start the race that way. You don't middle of the race. Just go, ah, forget it. You don't guys have to do it. You could go through
1: I get it like if you're expecting the pros to come through in you know the later part of the day and backups are so crazy bad already people know if you're on course when the pros come out you step aside they give you plenty of warning when the pros are coming and say hey if you are on it step aside let the pros come through let them get at least you know there, one shot, give all of the lanes open until the top pros, and then, you know, keep, stick to your retry lanes. Maybe open up well, a couple the, retry lanes. The age
0: groups behind you. Yeah, even with the age groups behind you. If they're catching up behind you and you know the leader for the next age group, or let's say we were a 15K because I was just like, whatever. Uh, the the ladies uh, were behind us. They started behind us. And the leaders of the, the women's divisions were coming up through us. And sure enough, everybody, the respect for them was, let them go through. So if you're going to have that legap situation, you're going to do the same thing for the age groups behind you because you know, we've all been in this sport long enough and the ones who have been in this sport long enough know the leaders of almost every age group, especially your own, especially the, 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 the ladies behind us we know who's coming up behind us. So we know they're going to eventually catch some of us. So, oh, hey, here she comes, move over. And we did. The men moved over, let the leaders go through, do their race and continue on. And that's the respect you give. But if you're going to do, you could do the same thing at Gaffe, whether it's the pros, the age group behind you with the leaders of that age group, whatever it is, you could do that. I don't understand why you shut down or give the option. Oh yeah, you could go through it, but you know those guys don't have to. And Either way, whether you hit the bell or not, you could still technically keep your band, you know, at least through that obstacle. Uh, I don't get that. That was, a, that was a hard one for me to swallow, especially when you put that much effort into uh, doing an obstacle like LeGaff.
1: Yeah. So I had heard as of 11 a.m. they had shut down LeGaff and said it was optional. Now, for us, going off in, you know, the nine o'clock hour, I know plenty of people that spent time at LeGaff, gave up their band at LeGaff. Then they came down the mountain and they were so taxed, they ended up, you know, not finishing maybe a canyon or a drop zone or something else. Mm -hmm. And their justification was, well, I lost it at LeGaff. So I don't think they actually said, okay, if you're in your 30s or whatever else, if you lost your band at LeGaff, like you can go get your band back or whatever else, which they should have. If you're going to say, you know, LeGaff is out, LeGaff should be out for everybody, regardless of what time they started. So let them go back and petition. But for those people, if they lost it at LaGaffe and then they went down the mountain and they didn't beat Canyon, well, now they're screwed because they only didn't fight for Canyon because they lost it at LaGaffe. And they wasted so much time. I mean, when I got there, yeah, the guys in front of me, they were like, hey, it's your first shot going through. Like, go right ahead. And it was like me and a female who were coming through for our first shot and we both got it on the first time, but like I still had to wait for her to go through before I could go through. And it's like that could have saved me some time and whatever else. But like obviously, like I don't want to say obviously, I kept my band. All three days I kept my band. So I can't say that not doing Legaff would have changed any place for me because I didn't retry it. I don't remember if there were any The only retries I had was the Force 5 rig, and it was because it was so ridiculously cold. My hands were frozen that when I got the second to last, like the the T-bar before the wheel, I just Mm. couldn't actually grip with my fingers because they were so cold. So I had to, like, straight up, like, throw my hand over and, like, really use my wrist to hold on.
0: Plus, that was uphill. that 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 rig was uphill
1: yeah i I loved it it was so awesome
0: i was awesome but i was
1: so frozen from you know the rain and the cold and whatever else but yeah that's my biggest complaint about the 3k was the legaf situation and i don't think it was handled quite properly
0: should have been it should have been handled better i mean honestly if you don't want to use it the 15k everybody's got to do it at the 3k and that's it
1: the pros still used it
0: Oh, yeah. The pros still used it. It was a strange decision. Not 100% agreeance with it. I mean, if it was something where it was breaking or it wasn't holding up or something went wrong with it, that's different. There was nothing wrong with the physical obstacle. It was taking people. It is. A, it does suck time. It's not something where you could, I mean, not everybody. I don't go through it fast. I concentrate on it, get it done, get it done correctly. Some people could rip right through it. Some of the younger guys, I'm sure like VJ Jones could just tear right through well he tears through everything but you know take some time so i get it there is a little bit of a backup but everybody knows that going in yeah you know what you signed up for and you know you signed up for legaff, and legaf sucks time mm-hmm. Whether you're good at it or not it does so keep it that's that's what separates that's why people train that's why people put a ton of effort into getting better for this race is because of situations like that
1: yes well so i will say to everybody who ran on the team race, I am not sorry for making a post asking if Legaff was going to be in as the tech leg. I wanted more than four obstacles. I knew I could do Legaff. I love Legaff. I think there needed to be something. Plus, there was no point in actually climbing that mountain up to where Legaff was if we weren't going to have to use Legaff. And you know if you're going to make me climb you might as well make me do an obstacle at the top
0: that's technically not it's not a, a technical situation just climbing up and down a mountain if nothing right at the top
1: exactly i don't need to just continue to destroy my legs if you're not going to give me an obstacle up there i still would have done it begrudgingly like i did on the 15k but i wanted to point out that we were going to be climbing anyways give us the gaff it's one of only five obstacles on our leg so i will not apologize For getting that put back in. I will apologize to Adrian though. Because when I was sent the video. Saying Legap is back in. I was not told not to post it. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm sorry Adrian. Please don't crucify. Your build crew. A a friend sent me the video. (laughs) And I was not told. Not to post it. So I'm sorry.
0: (laughs) That's awesome. Hey, you got to do what you got to do. Sometimes you felt it was the right thing to do. So why not?
1: I tell everybody this in OCR, if you want me to keep my lips shut about something, just tell me if you ever, if you ever decide to, you know, there's something on the podcast that you don't want to get out and you're like, oh shit, I forgot. Please don't say something. Just tell me, don't tell me after the fact when it's already released. Because that did actually happen after the last podcast where the person who spoiled the no swim thing did come back and say, Can you please stop mentioning me? And I'm like, I'm not mentioning you by name. If you don't want me to say something, say, Don't say it. I am not that kind of person that needs to uh, say things for clout or whatever else and like burn bridges everywhere. If you don't want me to mention something, just say, Hey, I'd really like you to not mention this. Okay, I'm good. I have plenty of OCR secrets that I don't need to expose. I will let other people do that. I mean, I I have now started to put together a list of a whole bunch of things that I want to talk about, about OCRWC. And do do you want to keep going through the other races or do we kind of know what happened throughout the race? I kept my band. You got hurt, unfortunately, on the 3K. So
0: Yeah, kept one band and then the 15K turned into a uh give it a shot and if it doesn't feel right i'm not going to continue to hurt myself because the band wasn't coming you know whether i you know i did every obstacle i could i pushed it hard i tried to keep things going when you have no grip in your right hand i'm 49 years old i don't need to get hurt i've won my championships and other stuff i've gotten a band i've gotten bands uh at every race that i needed to this year i was fine I've gotten plenty of other world championship bands and North uh, Noram bands. Uh, I, I came to the realization, like, hey, this was bound to happen. I get hurt. I've gotten hurt racing BMX. I've gotten hurt at work. I've gotten hurt doing this. I was out a year and a half with a blown-out hamstring. Shit happens in OCR, and guess what? It shit happened to me there. So, even though it was a little devastating for me at the time probably took until about Monday or Tuesday for me to actually calm down and realize that it was like no big deal but hey that's the way life goes in OCR like I said you know what you signed up for I know what I signed up for there was a chance I was going to get hurt and sure as shit I got hurt and you know it was cool I got the band and kept the band for the 3k and it really bummed me out for the 15k and I was really glad for two people I would have been on a team with that i didn't sign up for the team race which i really kind of bummed me out i wanted to do that one really bad but that's the way life goes that's the way races go things happen and i had an awesome race i had a killer event the people the place the race every single thing about this except for my little injury it was awesome absolutely awesome with this race so complaints here when it comes down to it so So
1: with the 15k since you still went out and you attempted everything what were your thoughts about the 15k course
0: i thought it was awesome i really thought it was awesome everything that they put on the course was great one thing i'm not uh, i'm not a tall guy i'm barely five foot seven i um i pedaled for majority of my life and not ran so running down hills for me is not uh optimal um, so when coming off the top of the mountain, after that whole balance beam, uh, uh, clon- uh, balance beam carry thing that was up there at the top, and coming down and running all the way back down the back end of the mountain, uh, that wasn't fun for me. I saw people rip past me like a hundred miles an hour, and I was just like, "This is this is not good for me." I got hurt earlier this year, up at Palmerton uh, on the downhill. Um, I wasn't going to do that to myself again this year at Stratton. So that that downhill stuff, I could go uphill all day. I'm fine with that. But going downhill kind of puts a little bit of hurting on me. So I'm always looking – And in past years on that section in the back there where it's a big downhill, they have put obstacles, maybe nothing, anything hard, maybe just like a simple uh, over the wall or a a climb over something tall. I think they even had last year, they had that force five under, over, over, under thing over there, um, which was really cool just to break up that run going downhill. I would have loved to seen something on that side of the mountain. I, I get it. Maybe it wasn't something that Stratton allowed the guys to do, it's fine but that was the only thing i didn't like about the 15k where they placed all the obstacles for the 15k was fantastic the obstacles that they come up with for the 15k are fantastic where they put them was great some of the older rigs that they came out with what they put up like i said I think they said the 2014 rig a few of the other ones those were awesome uh, I, I got through a couple of them even something as simple as that uh the the, the snake pit which was back there over by that field that was cool too i love that stuff i didn't see anything crazy about it it was awesomely challenging it was cool that they put some of the uh, marquee uh, level rigs down at the bottom so people could sit there and cheer you on it, that was really cool uh, and it was fantastic i mean they these guys do an awesome job adrian the whole crew do an awesome job in setting that up and the 15k was no joke it was tough the the up and down the mountains always tough that always adds that extra obstacle, which is the mountain. Um, it was fantastic. I, I really had a good time with it. I can't complain. I mean, uh, the Lagaffe thing, we talked about that. But otherwise, everything was uh, top notch. I love all those obstacles. Um, even the ones that have been around for a while, like something as simple as sketch is still fun because you don't see that. Um, I don't think you see that at any other obstacle race. Do they have that in Indian Mudron? on? I don't I think they have seen that sketch in, anywhere Indian. else. I, I mean, Europe I think they do sketch a handful more I think I've seen it in Europe but uh maybe yeah otherwise I think it's just I'm trying to think um if I missed anything that was on the 15k what did you think how was your experience
1: with the 15k besides so I'll kind of respond to what you were saying so I know for that descent from the top of the mountain and down back at least to that middle part that was supposed to be their one of their timed segments where it was oh. like the king of the mountain or whatever else. And it was for the person that can descend down the mountain the fastest. They had an issue with the timing mats. So their, Power grind. Power grind yeah, they Peregrine. Peregrine. Yeah. Yeah. So it was deliberately strict gotcha. running because it was supposed to be competition specifically for that segment. I also know, like hearing what... The reports were about Stratton kind of changing up when and where they could put things. I'm sure that just played a hand in the actual timeline of them building things. So I don't, I can't speak to whether or not they did originally have something to go up there, but I had heard that at one point, like they had a conservationist or something come in and complain about disrupting like the fish in, you know, parts of the mountain or something. And, like, it it was just a straight mess. But let's see. For me, the 15K, again, I said it. I don't think it was too difficult because it was very innovative. It definitely was not easy. It was a championship-worthy race. One of the first big obstacles you got to was Skull Valley. They had to change Skull Valley overnight on Friday. I remember Mm -hmm. seeing Sid and... He said, you know, one of the, can't talk now, I have to go change Skull Valley. And Derek and I looked and were like, wait, what? Like, oh, yeah, we have to take the rock climbing grips out of Skull Valley. Okay. So they were told Skull Valley is too difficult. They needed to change it. So they took out the segment that had the rock grips and they put rings instead. Something's too difficult, put a ring on it. So they did put rings in places when they wanted to use more difficult attachments. Um, I would have loved to try the Skull Valley rock grips because I know at least when I went through, a lot of people ended up skipping at least one section of Skulls because they went ring to ring. And if you had those rock grips, you couldn't have skipped ring to ring. But I guess a lot of people lost their band at Skull Valley. Again, Skull Valley, we've been seeing it longer than i've been racing ocrwc Mm -hmm. you know what you're expecting to see it's not a shocker there skull valley the skulls are actually pretty easy to grip you just have to make sure two hands on them yeah just keep your hips swinging and hold your grip firm it they're they're not that challenging
0: you go to a rock climbing gym you could and you could get through some of the sections like i know a rock climbing gym up by me one of the things that we were doing for training was just walk going across the wall sideways if you could do that with the grips that they have on there or do a little bit of like uh you know they call bouldering you could handle skull valley because they are the size of the skull you're putting your hand yeah. right in the top of your head so you, i mean you've seen them at uh ocrwc to norams for the past number of years there were indian mud run um you know a couple other places i think tried having them probably a bunch of the stuff out in the midwest had them um but yeah there it, it it looks harder than it is looking at skull valley now because i pulled up the video of it where uh sid and david were like working on it before um, you had a nunchuck thrown in there. You had no rings between the uh, a couple of the sections. So I remember getting there. There was rings. I don't know if that nunchuck was still there because I didn't get to that point. Um, didn't get to that point in the obstacle. Um, but you could see, like even Sid going through it. Yeah, there's a ring between the skulls and then to the rock, and he skips right over it. And he's not a huge guy, so I mean the ability was there to skip over that. So I don't understand why it make it a little easier. I mean, you want to let people keep their bands, then make it really easy. If you want them to actually be a challenge, a world world championship level obstacle, you don't put rings in. You keep the rings out. And I get why rings are in there. They're fun. They're easy. They help out a lot. They keep the momentum going. But, I mean, Sid's not a monster, and he gets through it, like, you know, pretty easy. Not necessarily easy-easy, but, you know, it's it's doable without the modifications.
1: Sid is a Um, monster, though. He can get uh, through, through some
0: pretty sick things. Okay, all right, hold on, Sid. I apologize for calling you not a monster. I'm saying like height wise, he's oh. not like some, he's not Vijay Singh with the with the wingspan of a 747. He's he's legitimately uh, an average sized guy with tremendous grip and arm strength, and I would not want to fight the man. <laughs> I'll tell you that. But yeah, he's a he's a, he is a beast. But yeah, you could see he had the the ability to get through without you know. Overstretching himself and and making it more difficult than it had to be. Even David was on that same video, and again, not a big guy, and he was able to skip through pretty pretty well. So,
1: so I was a little disappointed that they dumbed that down. They did that but... with
0: uh, Urban, not Urban Sky, uh, Stairway three Yeah, they they,
1: said they
0: had to put the, they put an extra ring or two up on the top too because people are having a hard time getting to the wheel.
1: Well, um, I mean they. Decrease the angles on Canyon. They raised that up. They decrease the angle on Valkyrie. I understand why they're doing it. But again, people, you know what you're signing up for. This is a world championship caliber event. I know that they dropped the qualifications right now for the age groups, but you're still coming in with a world championship event.
0: People who know they're good go to this race. People who know they're not that great. Uh, those people usually don't show up to a level of this. So if you're bringing people in from all over the world, uh, the people from Europe know how good they are. The people from Puerto Rico, South America, Mexico, they know how good they are. They go to the world championships because they know they're contenders and they know they can keep up with the level of competition that's there. So you're there for a reason. Mm -hmm. You're not there because you did one Spartan and you're there. You're not there because you did a Rugged Maniac. Oh man, I'm going to Worlds now because I got through it pretty quick with all my friends. No. You know what you're coming up against you know what you're signing up for so if you get to an obstacle and it's like oh we heard you're making it easier it kind of takes a little bit out of the event or at least out of the obstacle i should say because you're coming in there looking for something difficult i mean There are times where towards the end of the race, you're hoping for something easy, but at the same time, you know that this is the world championships and it's not going to be easy at the end. That's why they put drop zone towards the end. That's why they put the mindfuck that is a dragon's back towards the end, because it's difficult. You can't have difficult all in the front and make it easier as you go through. You keep the difficulty level up and down and up and down. And at the end, it's... Tough, urban skies, tough, ricochet is tough, and you hit the cargo net, which is like it just feels like a cool breeze when you go over it because it's nice. You could get over it and you see the finish line, and it's right there. Everything's tough for a reason because it is a world championships.
1: I will say, I have talked to people who have said they've gone to OCRWC or they want to go to OCRWC, and they're like, Oh, I qualified at and they name like the easiest races under the sun. Or, you know, I, my first year at OCRWC, I was in the starting corral and somebody's like, oh, I don't know how to climb a rope. And I'm like, what are you doing in a mandatory obstacle completion race saying, I'm going to lose my band at the rope climb because I don't know how to climb a rope.
0: It's like OCR 101.
1: Yeah. Like I understand going in and saying, I probably am not going to be able to beat everything, but knowing full well. Oh, I'm going to drop my band here, no matter what, Mm -hmm. it takes away your will to fight in a a sense. I'm not going to say like everybody, if you know you can't climb a rope, you're just going to naturally just not climb the rope. You could still fight for it and you could still fight for every single obstacle. But if you know, like instinctually, I'm going to lose my band anyways, so I'm just going to lose it and then try everything once. I get it like in your sense where you were injured. But if you're not injured, if you're going out here knowing full well, I'm not going to jump across Dragon's Back or I'm not going to climb the rope or whatever else. Like, I, I applaud you for coming out and running the race, get, testing it out. I'd say just for the sake of obstacle completion and, you know, the final stats, go run Journeyman, please. And it's not to say that we don't think you belong in age group, but when this race in particular, Adrian is very aware of completion percentages and he wants obstacle completion to be in a specific range. If you're, you know, jumping into age groups knowing full well, you're not going to keep your band. You're already dragging down that completion percentage so it's not a true test to how the competitors and again I'm I'm trying not to like offend or use like poor verbiage for anything but if you know you're if you're not planning to fight for a podium you're not thinking I'm gonna be amongst the ranks of the completions regardless mm-hmm. don't muddy the Obstacle completion percentages within age group, knowing full well that you're not going to. Yeah. It's like going and taking a test knowing you're gonna get an F, and you purposely just want to tank, you know, the curve in your class. And for us who are looking to continue to grow the sport of OCR, we see this race and we're like, this wasn't all that hard. It was very innovative. The completion percentages. Are a lot lower than we expected them to be and it's not to say that the caliber athletes weren't there or that this course was too hard just maybe people didn't quite fight as much as they should have or whatever else and i i don't know how we can combat this as a sport to improve that we need to really get serious about our training if, mm-hmm. if you're just going to, you know, your Barry's Boot Camp or, you know, your local CrossFit class or whatever else, and you're not focusing on actual obstacle course race training where you are building up your specific mechanics, you're not going to continue. And I'm, I can't say you're not going to because you, by, of course, can, but you're going you're more likely to continue to improve your obstacle ability if you focus more strictly on obstacle course race training not just general fitness not your metcons your tabatas your you know basic circuit training with that you find online for a cheap app or you know even most of the Spartan training programs hello i've written spartan training programs i can direct you to the ones that will help build your obstacle course race training game but if you just follow spartan training the instagram handle or whatever else you're not getting obstacle course race training so we really need oh. to get serious about this but we also need to change our mindset because if you don't have the confidence in what you're about to do you're most likely not going to be an obstacle you're sure as shit not going to jump across dragon's back if you don't have the confidence for it.
0: no that is full confidence on that one.
1: So I just went on a really long rant and I'm going to get a lot of hate from people because now no, but you're not wrong. But we want to continue to improve this sport. And I it pains me to every single OCRWC talk to the race builders and them say, oh, well, this is too difficult. This is too difficult. We have to change this up. Oh, we're being told we now have to change this one and we have to change this one. And you best believe at our races, we are not going to make this thing easier. We think that we need to actually make it a little bit more innovative. And it's like, we want to push the sport forward, but we can't, if you're only going to race Spartan or if you're not going to take your training seriously. if you're not going to give a serious effort for these obstacles, if you're coming in and saying, I'm going to drop my band, you're destroying the curve for everybody else.
0: Hey, if you go in and you say, if you're, if you you know, you come in and you know, not making podium, you're probably kind of, uh, figure, Hey, there's, there's mindsets, you know, there's the people, there's the, the handful of people in every age group that know they're probably going to try really hardcore competing for the podium. Awesome there's the ones who are like i just want to improve my time from last year keep my band do something hard get through this all at one shot that's awesome too there's people who are just a little lower than that which who are like i'm gonna just try to keep my band i don't care how many times i gotta go through legaff i don't care how many times i gotta go through ricochet i don't care whatever it takes i'm not worried about time as long as i'm close to the cutoff i'm good that's fantastic but you go into this with i'm gonna try my hardest I'm going to get to that first obstacle and whatever I got to do, I'm going to bust my ass to try to try to get through it. That's the way you come into this. Um, The World Championships think, like you said, some people do get into the World Championships by qualifying at some easier events that are on the World Championship uh, qualify schedule. You know, I've seen it before. I know who some of those people are, but then there's the people who wish they could get to the world championships and might never get to the world championships because, you know, now that all this uh, uh COVID BS is kind of behind us, the qualifications, I don't know if it's true or not, may or may not come back next year. Hopefully they do because that'll kind of give us. Uh, I'm going to say this and please hear me out because uh, most of the time I'm one of them, but a lot of the times it, it, it'll people who are better qualified to go to the world and the field uh, for age group and pro will be a lot better stronger quicker faster and it won't be as many corral fillers that's i love using that term because you know who they are i'm one of them i sign up for a race i just jump in i'm not pushing it i i mean i went to palmerton this year kind of just i didn't want to run the age group at palmerton it's just not someplace i want to bust my ass and, and get hurt at because i will I was just a corral filler. Went into the Open, jumped in, did the best I could. That was great. But when you go to the World Championships, you're in there not only to compete against everybody else, but you're there to compete against some of the greatest athletes in the world, in your age group, and or pro, or Open, or in the teams, whatever you want to do. It, it's it's a good place to be. If you qualify for journeymen, because even journeymen, first time I went to the Worlds, uh, I did not, I, I kind of half-assed a year Uh, one of my best friends ashley she was going to the world championships 2017 up in canada and she goes you could get into the journeyman class see if you qualify for the journeyman class so i looked at the qualifications Um, you had to hit a certain amount of races throughout the year to get into the journeyman class i qualified i drove my ass up to canada and knew from that point on that i was going to legitimately qualify for age group year after year after that and that's what i did because the race was so awesome and I knew my level had to step up and a lot of people just don't do that and I think the past couple of years that we did not have qualifications people just signed up like oh man me and my bros are going to come out and, and hang out you know and we're going to do the world championships and it does water down the divisions it waters down the age groups you have a blast you have a good time uh, I ran organizations where we had big races and we wanted everybody to come and believe me the biggest hardest part of running one of these is getting people to show up so hey if they're more than willing to take your money and put you on the course and give you a medal or power to them but when it comes to a world championship level race there's got to be something where it really makes sense to truly qualify for the event that you're going to and make the best of it you know you could be a corral filler all you want but at the same time when you go to the worlds you got to go in there with i'm going to do everything i can to keep that band to truly earn the band to truly earn the medal and get to that finish line and put everything i can into it um and there's people out there who can't make it to this race and wish they could and would put that effort in and, and that's the shame of it i mean that's every race but at the same time the world is a lot bigger because that metal is kick ass and to have that band is even more kick ass and no, I know. Here we go in a rant. I'm kind of starting to lose myself. <laughs> no, you are <laughs> spot on. on.
1: And I okay. think one of the things that we're still struggling with as a sport, and we see it, I mean, we, we can bring it up with Spartan all day. They are struggling between we want to develop a sport, we want to rip people off the couch. OCRWC sure. is still not actually turning a profit. They... Financially, they're not making enough money to be this big, high-power event. And I'm going to kind of hint at what I've been told about possibilities for next year. If they don't move the race off the U.S., I've heard that there's a possibility it's financial reasons. Just, you know, if you can't afford to move equipment overseas or whatever else. You you want to keep it somewhere that you know you can bring in a bigger population of racers. So OCRWC is struggling with this whole, we really want to bring people in. We really want to make a race that we have a decent completion percentage. How do you make a world championship caliber event that fits both though? You don't. You have to say either we really want to bring people in but we can't we shouldn't care about the completion percentage or we really want a high completion percentage we're not going to get as high of caliber athletes or you know we're going to have people complaining about we're making things too easy or whatever else and you know maybe that's where they put more emphasis on journeymen bring back The qualifications and say, okay, we want our pro and age group racers to legitimately be, you know, people that are gonna sit here and fight. Maybe, and this is me personally, I would love it if they said the way you qualify for OCRWC is you need to keep your band at a mandatory obstacle completion race. I don't care where you finish in a mandatory obstacle completion race, you could be the last person crossing that finish line. If you keep your band, you should be able to then run pro and age group because then it says you, you know, you understand the premise. I'm not going to say good enough because I, again, I'm trying to really not offend people. No,
0: I I like that even better. You understand the premise of what you're getting into. Yeah. Because you went to like, uh, you ran age group or uh, savage pro elite, whatever they call it. Mm -hmm. um, And you kept your band in that. You get it, you understand that you have to get through the rigs, you have to get over the walls, you got to get through every obstacle 100%, keep the band, get to the finish line, you know what you did. Same time, you, you know the difficulty of it because you know you need to know what you got to do. Doing burpees doesn't constitute keeping yes. a band, band over burpees. And that's a whole different thing too. You're right. There's got to be some sort of, when you get there, you know what you're getting into. You know how this is going to, what you have to do to complete this race. You may or may not finish with a band, but you have to know going into it, you are going to do your damnedest to keep that band. Because somewhere earlier that year, you qualified this uh, for this race because you kept that band. Not because you just happen to sign up no you qualified by keeping a band at a pretty hard race with some pretty hard rigs with a pretty good distance whatever it was you qualified for the world championships the right way exactly i'm sorry i mean look hey these past couple years have been crazy up and down this and that whatever you want to you know whatever you think about what happened these years that's awesome but going forward you get a little better qualifying system back the old qualifying system, do that with the bands. Hey, you earned your band at uh, Highlander Assault. You earned your band at Grit OCR. You earned your band at Battle of Alliance, Phoenix, City Challenge, wherever it may be. You kept that band, you know what it takes to be part of the World Championships. Otherwise, go to Journeyman. Journeyman was, I, I kicked ass at Journeyman. There is
1: nothing wrong with Journeyman. And you still have a band to fight
0: for. The 2017 Canadian one. I was the first one I went to and I, it, it kind of, it was really, I had no idea what I was getting into because I had never been at that level race. I was pretty full blown that year, Spartan all the way. And friends like, Hey, I'm going to the world championships. It's going to be in Canada. She was, uh, she convinced me to go. And I absolutely love her because she got me into a different level of OCR and a better level of OCR going to the Worlds. And I was in Journeyman. I got third in my age group. I was pumped up. I was like, I got third in my age group at the World Championships at Journeyman. But you know, still, it was awesome. It felt, yeah, you saw, say there's a video going on between me and Meg that you're like, I kind of like, yeah, it it was the Journeyman. Yeah, I know. But hey, listen, okay, here, can I tell somebody, you go to a race and you say, yeah, I finished, I got the band, everything. Nobody in the real world outside of OCR knows anything about what we do. So when you're like, yeah, got third place at the Worlds. You got third place in the Worlds? Hell yeah, I got third place at the Worlds. They don't know what division it was. They don't know what how the distance or anything like that. People at work are going, hey, did you hear Brian got third place at the World Championships? Holy cow, that's awesome. Hey, did you hear Meg got first in our division? That's awesome. They don't know that they're, <laughs> they don't know two people showed up. <laughs>
1: My second or third um, time running Fenway. I was still running open because me, I'm like a perfectionist. I'm like, I'm not jumping into, it was competitive at the time, not age group yet. Like, I'm not going to jump into a competitive Spartan until I know I can run a clean race. I am not committing to race something where I'm going to have to do burpees, like going in saying, oh my gosh, I can't do this, this, this. And that's probably why I have such a strong opinion about people saying I'm going to give up my band, but I digress. Ah, uh, the like the third time I, I ran, second or third time I ran Fenway, I crossed the finish line, I checked my results, and uh, I finished first in my <laughs> age group in open. And that's how I qualified for my first OCRWC because I was looking and I'm like, oh that's my so gosh, good. I finished first. And I was like, I was running in the morning heat and it was like late in the morning, and somebody looks over and they're like, oh my gosh, you just qualified for OCRWC. I'm like, <laughs> what's OCRWC? And then I went out to Canada qualified as first in my age group in open and you if you were like top 5 in your age group in open you could qualify whatever else i then went on and i was getting ready for OCRWC the next year and i was running i think i was still in open cuz i was running killington for my first time and i said you know for killington my first time i'm just going to do open i did it back to back days i was walking with somebody coming up, like, the Death March or something. And I'm. they're like, oh, what's your next race? I'm like, oh, I'm running OCRWC in Blue Mountain, Canada. She's like, oh, my gosh, me too. And then she's like, what, how did you qualify? And she's telling me how she qualified. And she's like, yeah, well, you know, I, I finished top five in Open. But, you know, I have a shoulder issue, and I can't do burpees, so I did jumping jacks instead for the penalty. And I'm like... <laughs> what (laughs) What? yeah and again we're on a podcast (laughs) but we're on a video and like my jaw is open and brian's like flipping off the camera and it's like this is this is why we think you need you should be qualifying through mandatory obstacle completion if you can't yes yes do what is asked of you and if you are quote unquote running your own race that is not that's not going to fly at OCRWC. You don't run your own race at OCRWC and keep your band. You run OCRWC's race. And if OCRWC has to dumb things down because people would much rather drop a band than give us a world-class race, that's a problem for all of us. And that's going to cause the sport to not There's got to be forward.
0: a way where... Yeah, hey, we all get a medal. Awesome. Uh, that band... As sport progresses, that band needs to be more and more significant to what really it ta- what it really means to do well at an OCR race. Because the top pros, the top guys in the eight groups, the podiums, they they got kept the band. They got an extra medal. Awesome. Not taking anything away from them because I wish I could get to a podium one day. Really, I do. I probably won't, but I'm cool mm-hmm. with that. I really do. But band if. Dude, if it's a 20% completion rate, imagine that, 20% completion, that means only 20% of the people come home with the band, it means a hell of a lot more. If it's like an 80% completion or a 95% completion, you know you busted your ass, you know how good you are. Whether you made the podium or not, you know how good you are to get that band. That band means a hell of a lot more to you and everybody else who got it it's at a lower completion rate than it would be at a higher completion rate because, you know, I I don't know, my age group had 100, 200, 500 people. I don't know. I'm an old man, 40 to 49 age group, which corral extended outside of the corral. That's how big my age group was. Seriously, Justin was flipping out. He's like, try to get everybody in, try to get everybody in. We couldn't pack the 40 to 49 group. And even the next day the 45 to 49 group was even really big too. Our age group is nuts. Okay. I mean, if former pro athletes of from something else, former triathletes, former like Ironman champions, former just like, you know, everybody, Kevin Donahue, Kevin Jalodi, those guys, they're all like badass pro racers and they're in an age group and they just kill everybody. And that's cool because we need that. And we also need yeah. the middle guys like myself who could keep up with them for about five minutes and that's about it. Cool. But going back, that band really means a lot when I tell people who are not familiar with the sport I said yeah when I go to a race for me the object is to do as best as I can to stay as close to the front as possible but if I know I know I'm getting a medal and I love medals that's why I'm really part of the metal addict family but band is what really makes the difference for me because when I come home with the medal and the band is around the the tassel of the top of the medal and it's there and it's it, it means a lot it really does. That's what hurt coming back from this race. When I just got a 15K medal and band. that kind of sucked because that medal doesn't mean as much because it doesn't have the band on it. That band should mean more because if you're giving more bands to more people, it waters down the significance of how hard and how... M- amazing of a level that race is how important it is in the world of ocr you want to go run rugged maniacs until you're blue in the face and collect all the medals you want with their like whatever band that keeps them running around forever awesome do it knock yourself out when you get to the worlds this is something where it needs to mean more if not the most for any ocr race whether it's uh any of them even spartan world Championship. It's the Spartan World Championships, it's not everybody's World Championships, it's the Spartan, Mm -hmm. this is the OCR World Championships, which encompasses everything, whether you think Spartan's OCR or not, that's a whole other story, it encompasses everybody, and when you come together like that, that band, and that race, and that medal, and everything about it has to mean as much as it possibly could mean. So, you know, when people come in and be like, oh my God, I'm just here just to, you know, see what I could do and this and that, it waters down everything. And I'm not, I'm knocking you, you want to come to the race, come to the race, knock yourself out. I mean, people did knock themselves out at this race, but literally, no, it just, yeah, seriously, literally, (laughs) man, saw some serious damage at this race and I had some serious damage, but yeah, it was, uh, it was, uh, um, Yeah. you need to, this race out of all of them, I mean, Look, Indian Mud Run is a world to itself. That's an awesome race. Uh, Highlander is awesome. I mean, people think City Challenge, which I'm not knocking City Challenge. I love City Challenge, but it's a flat course on concrete. There's no mud, there's no hills, and there's no anything. There are steps at the Randall's Island race. Still, it's a great race to be there and start. It's not the level of OCR Worlds. Still a manager obstacle
1: completion race.
0: still a mandatory obstacle completion race and i have a pile of bands from being in the elite in the elite class at city challenge and there, you have to get through those rigs at hoboken you had the, you get the rope climb you had the cheese boards you had the rig all at the end it was the gauntlet at the end that was tough people were really getting held up there really top level quality athletes were having a problem there that's what ocr racing is about it's meant to be difficult it's not meant to be easy
1: Uh, In my age group on the 15K, only 12 women kept their band. I was the 11th woman that came through. 10, 11, 12 all got stuck at Ricochet at the exact same time. Uh, We're going to talk about, I want to talk about some quick wins that OCRWC could have had over the past weekend. So Ricochet, we will definitely talk about it. But 10, 11, 12, we all were stuck at Ricochet at the exact same time. I just so happened to slip off. I had no problem taking it slow, recovering, um, throughout the race, I would come up and see, you know, a friend stuck at an obstacle. And at one point I had a friend stuck on the under, over, over, under, whatever. And I came up and I'm like, Hey, are you okay? And she's like, Oh, I'm just stuck here again. Like same thing as yesterday. I'm like, okay, well, do you, do you want me to coach you through it? Do you want me to stop and take a look? She's like, no, 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 go, go. So as I'm doing it, I'm calling out to her what I'm doing so she can get through it. And she comes up to me as she's coming down the downhill. And she's like, Oh my gosh, Megan, thank you so much. Like, what the, the pointers you were saying as you were going through, like, that helped me get through. She's like, I had no idea to try this, this, and this. And I'm like, That is what I want to do out on course. Like, I, I'm i not fast. I'm never going to be fast. I have no ambition of ever podiuming at OCRWC, but I know I can keep my band. I'm always going to fight for my band. Doesn't mean I'm always going to keep it. But I'm more times than not keeping my band than not. I would much rather, and I've said it time and time again, I would much rather time out on a course fighting for my band with my band still intact than drop my band and run through in the allotted time frame. That's correct. And that is my mentality every time I go into a mandatory obstacle completion race. And I've talked to other racers and they have the exact same thought obstacle course comes before race obstacle is the
2: first word the
1: obstacles come before the race and that is how i think we need to be treating this we need to be focusing on the obstacles yes we need to run we need to train our running we need to do all of that it's still a race but you need to obstacle in order to do well in the race so let's focus on those yeah. obstacles. Oh,
0: absolutely. If, if it look, you want to do trail races. There's awesome trail races everywhere. This is not just a trail race. I mean, I even said it. You can look mm-hmm. at one of my posts. It says, "Yeah, probably tomorrow's going to be a just a trail race." Because uh, one of my friends, Kathleen, is she was beat up too from the three k, and she's like, "Yeah, tomorrow's probably just going to be more of a trail race." And that's what it turned out for me. But I was, you know, that's the way it is. You want to go do a trail race? Go. We were. Went down to the Savage Maryland, and there again, obstacle completion. Keep your band, awesome age groups, all that good stuff. Um, there was a you know there are people who were just like ripping through that course, and if they made it through the obstacle or they didn't, uh, both at Pennsylvania and uh, Maryland, they uh, Savage has a, a two killer rigs. Um, at Pennsylvania, I did not do well on it because it was a lachey thing, but the um Maryland one. Um, I was able to figure out, it was very difficult, I was able to get through it, took two times, but awesome, kept my band, but looking through the rankings after the race and everything like that, I'm like, there were guys who whooped my ass by over a half hour, and they didn't keep their bands. I kind of know these guys are, and I'm like, they probably would have done pretty well if they actually gave it a shot anyway, or even put some effort. Now look, I don't know their situations, maybe something hurt, something didn't go right, they were scared of the water, I don't know, whatever it may be, but, you know, they didn't a full effort into that race, and they didn't get ranked higher than me. But at the same time, it was like, "Hey, you didn't—you didn't get your band."
1: I had a friend actually. We the, uh, there was a post on Facebook, and one of the guys that ended up being on my team for the team race. He had made a post, and a mutual friend had commented and said, "I'm going out to run ocrwc I just hope I'm not last." And I replied to the comment. I said. Coming in last at OCRWC is nothing to be ashamed of. It's coming in first place non-complete. Because if you're last place with your band, you fought like hell and you kept your band. If you are last place without your band, you fought like hell to keep your band. Unfortunately, it didn't happen. But if you are coming in first place non-complete, you dropped your band and you ran through not saying you didn't try all the obstacles you could have tried you could have fought and yeah. some people just maybe spent more time but i would me personally i would be less proud of myself for first place non-complete and i would think the exact same thing with savage and that's why i will never stand on an age group podium without my band if if i'm dropping my band and running through i'm not proud of myself That is not something I ever want to be proud of. And again, same with like Indian Mud Run. I know if I were to run age group at Indian Mud Run and if I'm not fighting for my band, I can, or even if I am fighting for my band, I most likely could stand on an age group podium having fought for my band because very few women keep their band in age groups. But if I like only fail one and then I run through... I am i don't have my band, and I'm not proud of myself because I gave up on an obstacle and ran through. I had a whole really hard time when I had to do that the first year at Indian Mud Run, knowing I could fail up to five obstacles, and I only failed one. I came in within a minute of the time cutoff, and I was still able to place, like, mm-hmm. sixth female overall because I only yeah. failed one obstacle. But I didn't have my band, so I wasn't proud of myself.
0: It, it feels really good, even because I've seen guys in my age group, I look at the non-completion, even at the world championships, I've looked at completion versus non-completion. There's a lot of guys who my ass in time, but again, you didn't keep your band. So, I mean, Hey, maybe you're personally proud of the time you did. Maybe you did try. Maybe, I mean, who knows what actually happened out there on the course. Things do happen. People get hurt. You get hurt. I got hurt, whatever. Still, there's a, a lot of bigger sense of pride when you do keep that band. Um, and that's, I, I think, Races like OCRWC, races like Savage, races like Indian Mud Run, Highlander, all those obstacle completion, city challenges, obstacle, obstacle, 100% obstacle completion. What was it? Team Builder OCR? Um, You know, that's, uh, (laughs) you know, it was, uh, it's just, it it, it makes you feel better. So, yeah. We
1: did. um, We're like going going over and over and over. Keep your band Um, We love mandatory obstacle completion, but like, I don't want to piss people off. And if you are going out and you're trying something that gets you out of your comfort zone, congratulations. We're really proud of you. We do want to continue to see this sport grow. And with that, we need to continue to see more innovation. So we we only want to see you grow as obstacle course racers. And personally, I think if you're going in with the mentality of I'm going to lose my band, it's not progressing you as a racer or pushing the sport forward again everybody's a little different so if you want to talk about it personally or come back and bitch at me for you know whatever else i'm happy to talk this through i'm trying not to be cold-hearted whatever else i just want to see everybody reach their maximum potential
0: everybody i I see everybody that is out there because we see people who have Recently, got their ass off the couch or gone through something in life and said, "You know, what, I'm going to try this and it put some serious effort into it." More power to you, because this is the kind of sport that it's on you. It's it's not a team sport. You don't have to worry about somebody getting a home run to win the game for you. You have to hit your own personal home run to get to that finish line, and there is a tremendous sense of pride. And one of the great things about this, and if uh, if I've sounded like an asshole during this podcast, I apologize, but I will be the number one person to pull you through and help you out at any race, because uh, I, I know the difficulty it is to get out there and do it. It's not an easy thing to do. It is very difficult. And one thing about this sport is that the community itself, um, is there to support you. Look, there's a handful of people at the very front of the pack that are there for the true race and the competition and the grind, and they want the medal, they want the podium, they want the glory, all of that. But there is a tremendous piece of this sport which is the community that doesn't care about that they care about more you than anything else it's like i'm you know it's funny can i just say this i'm actually like pointing to the screen like come on tv and i'm pointing to that guy on the couch looking at me right now but it comes down to that we are there for you meg and i have helped countless people get over something as simple as a cargo net it's simple for me I was at City Field a couple years ago, and this guy, a little older than me, an Army veteran, went through some crazy ass shit during his career as an Army veteran, let himself go a little bit and said, I got to get back into shape. He got to the cargo net, which for some of us, like at Meg and I's level, and for most of you there, the cargo net, man, you're going right over, boom, some of us tumble over and have a good time, great. This guy had a serious hard time. I spent over a half hour with this guy to get over it, because it was about him, and I wanted him to know that there were people. Out there that support him one of my favorite people her name's karen she's from long island she is a mom her kids are older uh you might see her uh kiki is her handle okay. on instagram kiki fiker she's awesome i love her she was another one i met at us at a um stadium race and helping her get over some obstacles and i've been a thousand percent supporter of her because i know the struggle she's going through she's not a world-class athlete, but she trains like a world-class athlete. She has the mentality of a world-class athlete. And she gets out there. She was at a bunch of races this year. She went to DECA this year and kicked some ass at DECA over in New Jersey this year. So proud of her because she's just amazing. And, this is what the community is about. So we might be sitting here bitching and moaning about people showing up and not putting the full effort at the World Championships. But what it comes down to is that we know you're better than that, that you could actually do this, that you could get to that obstacle, whatever it is, and that you can get over it. It's not something where it's like, eh, whatever, I'm going to just give my band to that person and, and see you later. Bye. That's not what this is all about. It's about taking your physical and mental potential, getting out on the course and doing the best you can. I am not opposed to people who come into this with a bunch of their friends and soccer moms and all this other stuff that get a group together and go oh we're going to do a quick mud run with the kids or something cool that's part of our sport too but the competitive edge of it and um the real meat and potatoes of the sport is getting out there and pushing yourself to a level you may or may not have ever in your life getting to that cargo net getting to those rope climbs slamming that ball onto the ground Doing burpees, not doing burpees, keeping your band, not keeping bands, getting over that wall just to get into the corral. Because how many times, Meg, seen it, people have difficulty getting over the wall, getting into the corral at Spartan. I've seen people, I was at a Tough mutter here in Pennsylvania a bunch of years back and there was a couple of ladies um, with some weight issues, absolutely beautiful women because I caught up with them and they were absolutely amazing. They needed help to get over the wall, get into the corral at the Tough mutter. And everybody there who surrounded these women were there to help them. And running through them, like how like, how you doing? How's everything going? Because they were way ahead of me in line, and we could see it from a distance. And uh, I caught up with them, and they are like, this, they were out of breath, pretty much walking. Um, I said, hey, you doing all right? You're doing amazing. You're, you know, everybody says you're doing amazing. And they were just so happy to be there might not have gotten through every obstacle, but they're happy to be there and they knew what it was that needed to be done. And they did it. And they got through, got their headband, felt good about it. And that's what it's all about. It's about the pride of getting out there and doing it. We were basically trying to say is that the OCR Worlds is something well above that. You just don't show up at the World Series because you feel like you could hit a home run. You have to earn your way there. And I think at the World Championships, if you got yourself there, you signed up, you really got to put a full effort into it. You want to keep that band. You want to have that mindset that every obstacle I'm going to try, every obstacle I'm going to put my damnedest into, hurt or not. I tried it. didn't work too well. Even got a little, probably hurt myself even worse, pushing myself through the 15K. You do it because you love it and you want to push yourself physically. And at the world championships, it's the hardest thing you could do. You want to go to a rugged maniac and just walk around with your kids. That's awesome. Same thing. Do it, right? This sport is a More about the community and more about pushing yourself, having the pride into keeping the bands, getting the medal, having the bragging rights at work on Monday kind of thing. Um, And we're proud of everybody. I mean, this is an awesome community. And we want to, you know, if we, we start ripping on people because of OCRWC, it's because it's the world championship. It's not because it's the local Rugged Maniac. It's because when you get there, OCRWC is something you earn, that you busted your ass for. Just don't show up and already have that defeat attitude where, like, eh, I'll get through a couple obstacles. I know I'm losing my band. I'm not even worried about it. You got to try. You got to try. You, you don't water down the competition just, just to say you did it. Get in there and push, even if you do lose your band at the first obstacle. Don't try all the other ones because you'll probably get through a bunch more.
1: Have a plan. Give multiple attempts at obstacles. Don't give up going with confidence. If you have made it this far, and you're still like shit I hate you that you're saying you know I shouldn't be going out there I'm not saying don't go out there I'm saying if you would like help to go in with more confidence next year by all means please reach out to me ask all the questions ask for all the advice I will give you as much training help as I possibly can this point I'm really not making money I just give away everything for free it's bad but I just want to see everybody succeed I want to see the completion percentages at OCRWC go up, but not because they have to water things down for the athletes that come out. I want the caliber of athletes to go up, and that means I want to improve training so the caliber of athletes go up, not because we are specifically finding only athletes that can actually complete the obstacles that are going out there. I want everybody to try new things. I want everybody to come out with confidence and just completely kick. But if there are things that OCRWC can do to improve their completion percentage, do you have any little quick wins that you saw at OCRWC that the race itself could have taken to maybe boost that completion percentage a little bit?
0: i think this year was at an awesome level a perfect level i can't think of one obstacle that was kind of Mm -hmm. uh threw everybody off or was just like wait is this a little too easy i mean look i I know a guy he's he's local from around here he takes off he just took off in the 15k i got i caught up to him uh at at snake uh whatever they call it snake charmer something the ropes with the knots of the snake pit there you go um and he couldn't do it and even with my uh messed up arm i got through it first time first mm-hmm. shot and it's stuff like that which is like it's the way it should be maybe i yeah. can get through it a lot easier this guy's gonna whoop my ass somewhere down the line but it, it gives that kind of accordion effect where you yeah know, he ran up fast and i got up there and there was a lot of that um there was times where i caught up with people going uphill and then past them, and they were way back there. And then coming down the downhill, boom! They were ripped right by me. Yeah. So it was that you know that yin and the yang that is a very difficult thing to put any race together with, where you have the difficulty, you have the speed, you have the uh, everything that comes together with these races. And I think this year, both at the 3K and at the 15K, um, even though at the 15K I was mostly a spectator at these obstacles, it still was a really good balance of difficulty some of them are easier than others hey look uh you know ocr 101 is a rope climb it's sometimes depending on where it is on the course it's difficult it was there it was one of the easier ones the carrying two shopping bags full of sand that itself should be easy but it does wear on you
1: i heard a funny story about those but go on
0: (laughs) but you know it's it's one of those things where i think uh this year's balance of uh difficulty and um uh, um, an ease in some of them, it was right where it needed to be. Because uh, what was the final, like for, what was the final band count? Like what was the percentage of bands? I year? don't know. I, mean, it's
1: I heard somewhere I heard like a out of the group. I didn't look.
0: It was like, I heard 70, maybe it was a 70% completion rate on some of them. Maybe maybe that's a little high.
1: Oh, that's very high. There were like 20 or 30% of women.
0: Yeah. I like the, I like the uh, post they put on where they had all the pants. I'm like, yeah, mine's in there. So yeah, it was, but still,
1: there were a couple of obstacles that I thought they could have taken, made a couple tweaks for quick wins. The first Gibbons, the Gibbons were really close and with Gibbons, the the key to beating gibbons is to swing and to maintain a consistent swing they were too close to actually swing i tried skipping and just because i'm shorter uh, my wingspan wasn't long enough to skip one in between so um it was literally just dead hang and then trying to place and the premise of the obstacle is to swing across so i think if they just moved those a couple inches four to six inches wider they could have gotten a lot more people to get through them i know i saw way too many people chicken winging i had to chicken wing because i'm like i'm not gonna sit here and waste all of my time when you know i don't need to sit and dead hang on this and i'm not using my core like all of my swinging is gone i again i like i've already brought all of this up to the people that i need to bring this up to So this isn't me
0: just like not doing anything about it. Yeah, I have the Gibbon gibbon set up in my basement and I keep it a long distance because I'm used to the swing. So like even at Indian Mud Run um, and last year here, because last year here, it kind of did mess me up being that close. I don't think they were that close this year, but this year I did notice they were a little closer. Yeah, they were close. So I try to skip a couple to to get that swing that, again, I'm not a 747 like uh, VJ Jones, but I was able to get it. So it was skip ahead on one skip ahead on the other and then get the bell um that was last year and it it was fine but yeah if if it's too close it kind of messes with you because you're not used to skipping you're used to maybe hitting them one by one not having that extra one in the middle and if you're not used to it it does throw you off so okay i'll agree with you on that one definitely
1: i did like how gibbons then went into this that small little gauntlet of obstacles was like gibbons into like the low rig and like the 2014 rig yeah the low rig a lot of people had trouble with that, and even when I got there, I'm I have no problem with low ranks. I'm a short person. No, good with um, that. <laughs> I had to like figure four the entire time, and Charles was there and he was getting a video. And then by the time I finish, like I figure four my entire way through that, I'm so good. I hit the bell. I pass a lot of people, and then I come back down from you know the hose thing up at the top, and I see Charles again. He's like. Yeah, my card was full, and I only got about half of your low rig, so I'm going to get you on the 2022 rig. And I'm like, oh, I hate you. And then, like, I was, like, just (laughs) kind of struggling on the 2022 rig just because some of those grips I'm not the biggest fan of, but, like, I was was able to do it, like, no problem. I just didn't want to, but... Going from the Gibbons to the low rig to the 2014 rig, after I beat that 2014 yeah. rig, even on the 2014 rig, my forearms were just completely gassed. And had they put another rig there before going up that mountain, I would have been stuck for a little bit because I just wasn't gripping anything at that point. So I awesome job. Awesome job to the build crew and to Adrian and everybody else for that one because I think that was the biggest test of grip for me personally.
0: That's really a good good way they do it because it's like throughout this race it's not like everything is equally spread out mm-hmm. they put sections together where it's like a mini gauntlet of obstacles, yeah. and then you do a long run and then it's another mini gauntlet, yeah. you know, gauntlet where they kind of push them together maybe it's because of the geography of the mountain where they find a pretty large uh flat spot to put everything but still they put the under over over under right next to the uh what the hell? Know what I'm talking about? The legaff which mm-hmm. is right there. So, uh, you know, that went from one to the other, which was cool. Yeah. But yeah. I, I like when they do that. Yeah. They, they keeping them together like that. Mm-hmm. I, I, I like when they do that because yeah. then it's, kind of slows you down at the same time you got to do a lot of thinking and then when you're done with that and you get through all two three four whatever's in that gauntlet of of obstacles you get that pump and you're like yes i got it your arms might hurt your legs are kind of cramped up or something's going on but you're like man the the energy you get from completing all of those at once kind of gets you up or down the mountain wherever they are so yeah yeah, that was really good those uh, i like i like the way they did that Mm -hmm. i I always like that at least at this race like if you look at the map they'll cluster a bunch of them together in a section even like and it, and it was cool. They brought back some of the older rigs too, yeah. because I mean, you know, keep it nostalgic. And if yeah. you want another rig, you want to keep the numbers up on the obstacles. Bring back the old stuff. The one thing I always miss was they had it in Canada was uh, Hubby's. Um,
2: floating walls.
0: Yes, floating walls up to the rings and mm-hmm. then rings and the bars or whatever it was. That was awesome. I know that's a that's a pain in the ass to haul around yeah. the country, but still, that was awesome.
1: I will say, keeping something that's actually called rig and just throwing on. Rip attachments, like we need to keep that in the sport. Hundred percent. Like oh, yeah. keep a multi-rig or a couple multi-rigs. Because like I love rig type obstacles. So having all of the different hanging everything, but still keeping a rig, a true traditional rig is hundred percent needed. I loved it. Yes, keep all of that OCRWC.
0: Now Did you like lo- did you like that stairway
1: 3.0? I did. I didn't think it was that hard. I chicken winged the entire time because, again, oh, grip okay. strength. And with how they had it to start out, it was a farther reach for me. And it was up really high. And okay. if I attempted to jump, it was like I couldn't get actually get it started. And Achoo. then I am losing too much energy. And I can't actually get like a solid like pinch grip on it. So I had to okay. chicken wing to start out. And then I like half pulled up, I half chicken winged and then I like, you know, hung and swung. And then I just chicken winged my way down. Um, I think if they would have started it just a hair lower, it would have been yeah. more manageable for me to fully actually pull up yeah. where the starting bar was in relation to the starting, like where the starting bar for my feet versus the starting bar for my hands. It was just a little too big of a gap. For me to actually feasibly be able to start it. Because then I would have I like had to have start in a straight dead hang. And you should never have to start an obstacle in a straight dead hang. If you have a starting no. bar. But the other obstacle that I really thought they could get some easy wins. Would have been ricochet. And I'm not even going to complain about that really long reach from the last. Like off the last mm-hmm. wall. But yeah. that belt. Okay. Thank you. That fell. And I know why it was so low or why it was so high. Sorry. Why it was so high. We needed to lower it. Know so many people that lost their band, whether it was the 3k, the 15k, all because the bell was too high. Every time I had to retry Ricochet, it was because the bell was too high. And the bell is, it's coming in at such an awkward angle that you're coming into that other pole. Mm -hmm. That's where Eric from OCR Nation completely wrecked the shit out of his leg. He got that peg straight through his leg to his bone because as he went to the bell, he missed the bell, had his band still, and as he came down, his leg went straight into the peg, and it just wrecked the shit out of his leg, and somebody had to like carry him over the finish line. Uh, And it was all because he was coming in at that sharp angle, trying to pull up to the bell, hit that wall, hit that pole, came straight down. I know another person who their hands were so incredibly torn up on Ricochet, they had to close the entire lane to clean up all the blood. Oh
0: man, I saw a lot of people with bloody hands coming off of that too.
1: And it was all because the bell was just too high.
0: Yeah. And I'm... I lowered it, that's four or five inches would have been perfect. It would have been a, just that much easier to get to. So
1: what well, I... Made it
0: to that point. Yeah,
1: right. You're beating the obstacle. The only thing that's getting you is just the bell is too high and that shouldn't be the case. Have the bell in line with the ring. We're
0: good. Even if it's a little off easy off, but even if it was one of those things where you took the last ring and you got the momentum, which Mm -hmm. jacked my arm up, which is fine. I'm not, you know, big deal. That bell was way up there and getting into that. Going into that, you're thinking about how am I going to get to that bell? Because not only you're thinking about one, two, three, four wall, one, two, three, four wall, whatever it was, you got to now think, shit, I got to swing my ass off that last wall, get the momentum, ring it, momentum, ring it and try to make sure that I could get my stubby little arms up there to get that. Again, not everybody's built like VJ Jones. A lot of us have stubby arms. We're not the tallest people in the world. That was tough. Was really I had dumb. to get like a
1: really solid yeah. momentum swing, like huge momentum just to get up to it.
0: I love that obstacle too. I think that obstacle kicks ass and it's a really good one to
1: have. If I can name at least 10 people and I can at least 10 people that lost their band because of the bell at Ricochet, not even because of the obstacle itself, just the bell, that's a problem, especially when I know mm-hmm. that Sid hates bells. Sid does not like finishing finisher bells. He wants to put something at the end to say, you get to this platform or whatever else, and that's the end of the obstacle. So I know if it were Sid's world, and he would not have bells on obstacles.
0: So he so, just wants you to land up on a platform? What are you saying?
1: He wants to put, like, something that you have to do to completely finish the obstacle.
0: <laughs> to a math equation.
1: Okay, I'm going to spoil it. Sid is the one that said, you know, I'm not moving a bell.
0: Oh, man. How do you Um, throw him under the bus like that? That guy's an angel. I love
1: you, Sid. But I know Sid hates bells. So I have no problem saying this because in the perfect world, he'd be like, fuck the bell. I don't need it. I don't want it. (laughs) So what I heard was they went out to Hobby Lobby and they bought out Hobby Lobby for straps. And the only straps they had left were the short ones.
0: (laughs) That's awesome that's awesome man yes. behind the scenes so
1: they they all, knew that it was too shit. short but that's all they could find it's, not, not, they,
0: always, it's <laughs> not always high-tech shit is it no
1: i'm gonna i'm gonna say i was told this when they were all like zombie mode so Listen, you know
0: whatever, at, at by the end of the weekend whatever any of them yeah. said not take seriously yeah you this know, is all you telephone might not have at even this point where they were i mean yeah I'd never seen Eric yeah, exactly. a hat, and all of a sudden at the end of the race, he's got no hat. I'm like, is he? Is he okay? Yeah, he, yeah. You know, Dana, this is all just a Dana's game of telephone. Dana's not there to make sure he's okay. He's counting on Sid to take care of him. You know, so yeah, look yeah. after each other. So. <laughs> uh, you know,
1: take everything we say with a grain of salt. Oh yeah, we're, we're, we're just me. the messenger. I'll,
0: I'll, be the, I'll be the first one to tell you I'm just an asshole. So who cares? Um, yeah, listen. So it's it, it, it. We're talking about one of the greatest sports on earth when it comes to not only what we do as athletes, but the community we keep and the support we give each other. So, uh, you know, I mean, yeah, there are certain people hey, man, you know, they don't like each other well. But overall, we're all in it for, for the joy of watching people mm. succeed and and when we say we want you to keep your band we do want you to keep your band when we say we want you to get that medal that podium that everything we do because there is such a, a, a great amount of respect that we have for every racer out there and it's so awesome when i mean how many you're i raced bmx bicycles for 30 years and so many times yeah there was a little bit of oh that's cool he won or he got first whatever he beat me it's not like this this is different those are real hardcore i can take you out type competitions this is you're pushing for the guy in your age group older younger whoever the guy next to you on the course the lady next to you on the course the kid next to you on the course to do the best they can and complete it and you know um it's just awesome i mean and then to hear stuff where it's like you go to the world championships and bells are hung up by hobby lobby straps That's even better. I mean, really, that's the kind of stuff that really makes it. And they, you know, I heard they use those bags at the sandbag. They they're they're grocery bags for the week. So.
1: Oh, my gosh, you really just want me to talk about
0: this story. Hey, no, no, no. I'm just throwing out my own personal thing. You don't have Um, to say nothing. What did they go to a local did they have to go to a local grocery store and take as many as they could? I mean,
1: so (laughs) I, I brought up how much I hate those. I'm like, how in a world championship race? are you filling a shopping bag with sand? Like no matter what, every time I carry those, they're always just leaking sand. And you know how you're trying to carry them, like sand is going everywhere, whatever <laughs> else. Like, how do we not have a sand bag that you just fill with sand, close up, like get a flood bag that you have to tie, whatever else. Yeah. And um, I'm not gonna say who was it, but there, there was like a group that I was talking to and they're like, oh my gosh, we had so many shopping bags. We got them all filled. There was, like, I I forget what the actual number of shopping bags were that they said. But they're, like, we got all of the ones filled. And with where it was at in the race, like, you're not going to get that many people out on the sandbag carry at one time. They're, like, we had, you know, we had enough sandbags for, like, 50-some racers. And, again, I don't remember the full like number that they had. It was a good amount of racers that they had the shopping bags full of sand for. And right before the race, they were told by, and I'm not going to throw anybody else, any names out there, but somebody higher up in the race said, I don't think we have enough farmer's carry bags. They made them go out and buy like a hundred more. They said they... So they went out and they bought more, and the they're like, they're, "We, don't need, there. The we pile, don't need this. So, we don't need this many." But they were so. But a couple, uh, some people were very concerned. They were going to run out of farmers' carry bags, so they went out and they bought more of the shopping bags to fill with sand. And that higher, and, higher
0: up person's uh, uh, defense. Just never know. And it's better to have right. the bags than for us to be complaining they didn't have enough bags. Right.
1: So well, like let's but be honest, still, it's this, one of the this was like the first time ever on a mountain course. Not mm-hmm. completely disregarding, you know, that flat England race. Um first time on a mountain course that I've ever seen them put that farmer's carry. On a flat section. When I walked up to that, I was very
0: surprised about that. I was like, "Man, what yeah, me too." Usually, every carry we've ever had doesn't matter what brand we go to, whatever you're carrying, ninety-nine percent of the time there's a little bit of an incline or some goofy shape that you got to go through. This was go down there, yeah. turn around, come back.
1: Yeah. Okay. Um, I've never high seen it before. Did you get, it was a one-inch incline. What? So, I can understand being worried about running out of bags when you are going around a loop on top of the mountain where you have to go up and down for, you know, elevation and everything else. This, and this is going to kind of segue into something else, and we're going for super long, and it's going to go into a different episode because everything else I have on here, I'm like... We can talk about this all other places. But... We did
0: talk about what we were supposed to talk about.
1: Oh, God. Yeah, I know. We didn't talk about a single thing that I wanted to talk about. More. But <laughs> I didn't feel like any of the carries in this race was particularly difficult. Even their little fire hose thing. I hated those hoses. I think carrying two at once was just miserable. And not in the way that, like, a wreck bag is hard and miserable. Just, like, it was impossible to actually try to...
0: It was, yeah, figure yeah. out I, how I threw it was my just shoulders awkward. I, was just, it was... I threw them over my shoulders and kind of cross and I was kind of like there's and look it again nothing's supposed to be easy but this was kind of just weird awkward. Awkward, weird, yeah. yeah it was kind of like eh, eh, eh. even yeah. up at, even up at the top where you had to do or wherever the hell that was, where you had to do that little balance beam and throw it over. I wall did like the obstacles net. with it.
1: Actually, but... that was
0: kind of neat. It was it was definitely different, and and I really appreciate them kind of you know twisting a few things around to make it yeah. different because that's what they're here for. But it was just. Yeah, it was a weird awkwardness like a wreck yeah. bag you got handles we're kind of used to the wreck bag and maybe that's why it was kind of awkward for us and for a lot of people because you know it, it was just different here you are with this you know what feels like hey, it, if for those who don't know take a, um take a fire hose cut it in about what about three and a half foot length jam it with as much sand as you can it equals about 25 pounds And that's what you get. It's like a really long cylinder of hose and sand. And you carry it up and down. It was very stiff. It wasn't able to like, we've all been to uh, uh, the races where you get to a sandbag or a sandbag carry. And the bag is all torn up. And there's sand. It looks like, you know, uh, nunchucks, whatever. This was really stiff. You couldn't bend it. You couldn't throw it around your neck or anything like that. You had to really work with it. Okay, cool. But it was, I don't know. It was different, definitely different. I applaud them for putting something different, but it was just awkward. It was just, you, you, you didn't know what to do with it. At least with like a sandbag carry at Palmerton, you know, you throw one over your shoulder and you suffer the consequences.
1: 25 pounds is too light. So, like in the 3K, 25 pounds, yeah. too light, carrying two awkward 25 pound hoses. Just more awkward. More awkward. One of the biggest complaints I've heard from clients and friends that went out to OCRWC and they said this has been their thought across multiple obstacles is that obstacle course racing is going to Ninja and they miss, you know, the heavy carries. They miss more of like the walls and like that kind of stuff. And they might have they might be getting out of OCR because they don't want to just do rig after rig after rig after rig after rig. So, segueing, we, I know we've already talked about it. We want to have a conversation about the future of obstacles mm-hmm. in this sport and Lashing. I have it right here on my list. I wanted to talk about the difference between Europe and the U.S., and I am going to hit just a little bit on it briefly. But as a whole, I think we do need to have this conversation. Mm-hmm. Is obstacle course racing going to go the way of the ninja? Or is it more of the tactical kind of sport that it once was? Because a lot of people are now getting out of it saying it's less tactical. They don't need to be doing the rucks and whatever else because that's not applicable to the ninja side of everything else. And I kind of sort of messaged Sid and said, hey, I want you to come on and talk about the future of obstacles and the innovation side and where we predict this is going. Now with that, I'm still not naming sources. I heard there is speculation that OCRWC might not leave the US. (gasps) Stratton wants it back.
2: Oh heard other but
1: the um they they didn't have the best time with the communication this year. So we don't know. the. Um, some people just weren't too thrilled with how the communication went. So they would be okay with not going back to Stratton. Uh-huh. I don't know if that means they'd find something else in the U.S. For, you know, for financial reasons or whatever else. I didn't even ask about that kind of stuff. They said the other possible locations could be... And again, this is all speculation. I'm not saying who I hear this from, whatever else. But people were tossing around Spain. They were tossing around Sweden. And they said something that Hannibal Race might be willing to sponsor or partner. And I think that's why OCRWC in England worked out was because they found uh, nuclear races who already had a good amount of their obstacles already built. If you have permanent courses or if you have a race brand kind of working with you then you don't have to worry about bringing as much stuff over or bringing over your builders or whatever sure.
0: i think okay. it, again a, a lot of speculation of, oh and you know what um again we're going to talk about the european thing soon but if you follow enough of those european races um on instagram facebook wherever some of the stuff they do is crazy and they do yeah. it like downtown settings some of them are like in the middle of a town um, and, and again, Europe's a lot different than the United States in a lot of aspects when it comes to, uh, uh, city cities and towns and stuff like that. But one of the cool things about like Stratton and the, uh, one up at blue mountain in Canada, having it at a ski mount, you have that whole village townish kind yeah. of atmosphere when you yep. run through, that's really awesome. And in Europe, they would do that. Um, I would, they didn't
1: in England, nuclear races was great. The but field, they isn't it? did not Right. So they yeah. didn't, you didn't have the same kind of um atmosphere and i think that was a big miss from ocrwc yeah. you couldn't have you know people just roaming around you know sitting at a restaurant and being like oh hey look there's hubie coming through or oh, whatever yeah. else. How
0: many people yelled at you when they went by Something yeah like right. those restaurants and coffee shops people yeah. who were just there kind of hanging out on vacation with their dogs or you know locals Cool to see that. Yeah, I mean, it, nuclear wouldn't do that. If you went to, let's say, if you if you hit a hit a town in, I don't know, Spain or Sweden, went in the middle, like kind of sort of off the, off the uh, Stockholm area, something. I'm just throwing names out there. I don't know what the hell's going on, but you know the if you are familiar with the geography and the cities and the towns in uh, Europe, they're really tight knit do crazy stuff in those towns with some of them obstacle course races. What Viking and the toughest is Wait, the toughest is in England, but I think Viking Race, Runmageddon, a couple of those across Northern Europe, which are really badass. I'm sure if they did it the right way, they could get, like they did in in the past, like they did up in Canada, they brought those brands together because Indian Mudroom came together, Northman came together, a handful of other races came in gave them their best obstacle just like here in stratton um black swamp brought their bigfoot race all that kind of stuff you put that together y- europe is is huge you follow i follow a handful of people they're bouncing around from country to country to country out mm-hmm. there doing these races and it's uh, it's incredible i mean if i if i had the opportunity i'd spend like a good summer over there just bouncing oh, 100%. around them,
1: dude seriously um that's that not but, cool, but it's money with that We have this major dilemma, and again, we're gonna talk about this all another episode, but you see how well the European athletes did over here with OCRWC. Mm -hmm. They are used to a different caliber of race brands. So OCRWC played to the US racer in this. And I know like it's not playing to the Spartan strengths or whatever else, but and utilized a lot of the stuff that the mandatory obstacle completion races over here would see. Now, if you go to Europe and you're trying to pull in a European audience, you're pulling in European obstacles. You can, you're going to get even less Americans keeping their band. So until we bridge that gap between the obstacles, a European OCRWC is not going to have the same appeal to the Americans. And not just because we have to fly across the pond. A lot of Americans want to go travel, but because we're not lashing, we're not salmon laddering, we're not doing all that ninja shit yet. We want to, at least a good majority of us do, or portion, I can't even say majority. But if you have people saying, see," isn't tactical anymore, we don't have any heavy carries, we don't have any crawls, we don't have any walls. I need to get out of the sport because everything that i came in and loved is all gone now it's just being replaced by rigs
0: well, that's why you stay well, with spartan a- go stay with spartan yeah. if you just want walls crawls barbed wire and uh, heavy carries don't you know, do that you come to you go to a, a, any of those other races like you're doing like highlander assault or you're doing Frontline, or you're doing battle alliance you're getting uh, obstacle intense mm-hmm. races. So there is a balance, there's a pretty good balance. I mean, yeah. you want to just go ruck. Go ruck has a whole series of events that you could yeah. do. You want to go do Spartans. Spartans uh, you you could you can they say swing a dead cat, but you could barely, you could get to a Spartan tomorrow if you wanted to. They're everywhere. They do a lot of good stuff all over the country. But if you want to get to a hard races, you're willing to travel. And you know what? When it comes to world championship stuff, People, if so, Europeans and um, uh, everyone from Latin America that came up for this race, they weren't, you know, they weren't the corral fillers, uh, you know, they weren't the corral fillers in Sweden, they weren't the corral fillers in Poland, they weren't that. They were the elite that knew that they were world championship caliber racers, they knew they were going to come to the United States and race. It'll be the complete opposite uh, going over to Europe. Not everybody's going to go to Europe. The corral fillers that run rugged maniacs and think they're good at that, who get the free pass to go to OCR Worlds, are not going to go over to Spain, Sweden, Poland, wherever it is, and do a race over there. It's going to be people, maybe not even at our level, going over there and doing it. It's going to be the elite of the elite, Americans, Canadians, Mexicans, that go over there, perform at their best. Because any world championship in any sport you go to, If the world championship is held in Asia, it's an Asian, uh, uh, usually Asian dominated. You go to South America, South America, it's going to be a European dominated if it goes to Europe or if it goes wherever. And if Adrian and his crew can get together enough with those races over there and really work with them a handful of the races like they've done before, they could put together a pretty kick-ass obstacle race. Um, look, I'm not saying that it has a, a level of money like Formula One or anything, but Formula One carts itself all over the world. I'm not saying it's easy for them to do it, but if Hubie could get his rig from uh, Ohio up to Canada, you know, someone can get a rig from Poland or from France to Sweden or maybe even to uh, Denmark or something that's either a little closer. It can be done. It's just it's they have to work out the logistics. I mean, they have to work out the logistics for this as well could be done it's just you have to get the cooperation and the willingness of the people to do it and i think they could because that sport over there um you got enough kick-ass people over there to will go out go out of their way to make it happen
1: when hubie saw the nuclear ninja rings i don't even know what year it was it was before um ocrwc at nuclear races but when hubie saw the ninja rings from nuclear races he contacted nuclear races and said hey i love this obstacle can we build it?" And they said, yeah, by all means, go ahead. And then Hubie went over, ran OCRWC at nuclear race and learned the nuclear race rules. Mm -hmm. And he adapted his rules to match the nuclear race rules. I can only hope, and hell, I'll ask them. I can only hope Sid, Aaron, all of those guys talk to some of the race directors. I know that the Hannibal race guys were at OCRWC because they got me on a live video doing drop zone. And that's the only video of drop zone. I have Oh, nice. uh, no shame. I stole it off Instagram. Yeah, got to in do. do what you got to do. Um, so I'm hoping that they took a little bit of time from them and said, Hey, like do, what is the signature obstacle of yours? Do you mind if we bring it over here? And, you know, give it the name Hannibal sure. specifically to pay homage to it. And if Hannibal race can take Canyon or Valkyrie or drop zone or whatever else can call it, you know, adventure or mm-hmm. battle of the lions or whatever else, like we should be sharing obstacles a little bit more mm-hmm. overseas so we can bridge that gap.
0: Yeah, I think I think Aaron knows that because I talk to Aaron a lot about Europeans I send him like uh like I get some obscure uh, you know uh a, a European clip from somewhere in Poland or something like that because Poland uh Poland and the Czech and Slovaks they have a ton of really good races out there and are small and again bison race uh rumageddon they come up with some crazy stuff and I'm like dude Look at this. Look at this. These crazy things that they come up with. And it's not like it's not dangerous stuff. It's just a different way to grip. Same height Mm -hmm. as a monkey bar would be, same height as a regular rig would be. But they tweak it in a way that, again, a different area of the world, they think a little different, they might see something a little different and they make it happen. He's done stuff that's close to European. You saw what was at Indian Motor, and you saw what was here in the world championships.
1: I mean eventually he came up with the over. Kraken after Europe yeah. already had that was yeah. the exact same thing as the Kraken. Cool, but... Now you can only see it at frontline. Mm-hmm. But like they're doing it over in Europe. So like Yeah. How can if you need to call it frontline's Kraken and put it on you know battle of the lions course like i'm sure you could figure out that partnership somehow
0: i mean that's what they did at indian i mean you saw they had the yeah. battle of alliance rig they had the race ready rig they had all those the
1: abominable the abominable. Like, all yeah. Of them. yeah it's
0: awesome i love that stuff and it's that's where again going back to the community hey we're all in here to help each other you know um they show up at each other's races and help they share each other's equipment they share each other's ideas you know that that's the way that, that's the way the sport's going to grow um, isolating, isolating yourself in a small world and you're begging people to buy $1,900 worth of stuff for a season or whatever, hey, man, that's on you. But when it really comes to true obstacle racing, the true community, that's um, where everybody knows if you're going to advance yeah. a sport, this is the level where you advance it. The OCRWC is where you advance it. Um, hey, the whole sport, front to back, top to bottom, is awesome we know that we, mm-hmm. we've done yep. both you and i have done a ton of different races all over the country it's awesome we love it we wouldn't be here talking about it if we didn't and you know if it goes to europe we'll go to europe i'd be happy to go to europe i got a passport let's go you know?
1: i already told my friends i have friends that are like hey we're gonna go to oktoberfest next year i said hey Erase. if ocrwc <laughs> is in europe i will go and i will race and i will go to oktoberfest just make sure that oktoberfest is still going on after the race because i'm not going to oktoberfest before i have to race oh Uh,
0: if i could tell a little story i made a mistake i don't know i wasn't as much of a mistake now Mess that thing up um it wasn't much of a mistake but um two weeks before uh yeah about a week or so before um the world's, I was, I uh, took a week's vacation in Dominican Republic. It, it should have been the other way around, but you know, I, I don't know if that helped or hindered me because I did eat really well. I did get into the gym every day. It was really awesome. But still you don't take a vacation before the world championships. You take a vacation after the world championships. Just a hint for anybody planning on doing that one day.
1: And that's why I'm okay with sneaking in next week's trip. Two days before I go to Vegas for a week. <sighs> Yeah,
0: I don't blame you on that one. I do not blame you
1: on. Arguably I am trying to like find somewhere that I can run like an ultra in Vegas for like a day or two before they my gotta, concert.
0: You gotta have something out there. Who are you gonna see out there? I know.
1: Um when we were young fest. Oh cool. So emo fest twenty twenty two, all of the millennials are pulling out their black eyeliner and their vans Good. to do a reprise of Warped Tour all in one day.
0: Go down a street, pick up my daughter and bring her. She loves that stuff.
1: <laughs> yes, I actually reached out to one of my friends that lives in Vegas who's done a bunch of ultras and I said, hey, you want to come out and run rim to rim to rim, to rim at the Grand Canyon? He's like, well, I can't during the week, but also like, you know, that's like five hours away from Vegas. I'm like. Oh, It's a lot closer than
0: Boston is, so it's cool. Oh
1: <laughs> well, yeah, that is true. But like, I'm not gonna run rim to rim to rim by myself, having never been out to the Grand Canyon. So beautiful. I'll stay a little more local.
0: So hey, what do you say we? Uh, it's been coming up on two yeah. and a half hours. We are in Joe Rogan territory with this podcast. Yeah, we should and really sure wrap this up. And you know, I'm sure we've lost a couple of people since we have started.
1: Oh, so, probably a lot because I pissed them all shit,
0: off. I've had enough of this he, crap. They just don't show up. They're all
1: like. How dare they say <laughs> we not run OCRWC? No, please run no, OCRWC. No, sign up next
0: year. It's going to be awesome. It's that, it, it, there's no other race like it. I'm sorry. I mean, I have not been the OCR. I have not been the Spartan World Championships, but I've been the uh, Spartan West Virginia. I've been the Spartan uh, Killington and all that, and they're they're awesome. Yeah. When it comes to really, you, you want badass race, you come to OCR World Championships. Yeah. You know what? Do yourself a favor. Sign up for everything. Just sign up for everything. Yes. Get off your but also day.
1: like. We'll have podcasts talking about how you should be training for it and how you should be setting up your race schedules. Mm
0: -hmm. OCR buddy. You could check the whole schedule all across the world.
1: Shout out to Russ. OCR buddy. Let's set up your schedule to maximize your racing. So when you do get to OCRWC, you're not as, you know, shocked by what you're seeing you're going in with some confidence yeah, so absolutely. if we set up our our schedule correctly it'll build into ocrwc and not into i'm gonna lose my band but Keep them no heads. more pissing people off we are going to call it a night call or it a day night. depending on what time you you're might be, listening, yeah, you might to be
0: listening to this in traffic going when the hell are they going to shut the hell up all right well oh this was awesome this is the best we we changed up the way we did this this week and uh it's i I think this was a hell of a lot better so thank you
1: i think this was a good one as long as people aren't too pissed off with us and i promise i am trying to put on a really solid one talking about obstacles i need to find the time and now i have asked Sid to come on
0: aaron said he'll come on too well, yeah. Dana's let's said bring it.
1: on Sid. Let's bring on Aaron. Let's give them a couple know, of days need... off
2: before. <laughs> yeah.
1: Right. Give... Yeah. 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 I'll, I'll. I'm gonna keep talking to them about it and be like, "Hey, what is a good time for you?" Um. But let's get them on and let's really dive into what the future of this sport looks like, especially in terms of obstacles. Um, and mm-hmm. keep pedaling away.
0: One more person i just want to say cool awesome job at world championships
1: too thank you thank you i fought like hell yeah. um it was a lot of fun i Absolutely. i say i fought like hell i know that i fought like hell but i probably had a little more fight in me so next year now i know i want to find more uh, more races with a lot more vert so mm-hmm. if i have to run a lot more trail races on mountains And then I want to keep cranking away at mandatory obstacle completion because it was really only the climbing that killed me, and it's because my running wasn't where I wanted it to be. I'm right there with
0: you. Running kind of sucks. Awesome, awesome.
1: Good job on the three k. Sorry about the injury, but way to battle it out as much as you could.
0: And through and so I'm
1: okay. You're only going to come back stronger. So you're, you're rehabbing that elbow and. Fenway is in your sights.
0: Yeah, hell yeah. And I'm only 49 years old, so I got at least another 20 years of doing this.
1: Age is just a number and old is a state of mind.
0: I was talking to Juan Carlos Abano about this, and I'll tell you what, age is absolutely number. We're proving society wrong. That says old people around 49 years old, which I am going to be 50 in April. Uh, people aren't supposed to be doing this. Guess what? We are. We're supposed to do this. So it's awesome. I love proving That's people right. wrong with this stuff. So,
1: yep. All right. I have 70-year-old clients in the best shape of their life.
0: Best shape of my life. So, oh, my name is Brian Lynch. Name's on the back of my jersey. You want to find me, I'll be at City Challenge NFNway. My Instagram handle is lynch underscore bmx underscore OCR. I am Brian Lynch. I want to thank Race Ready Obstacles, Metal Addict, Berberian Boot Bootcamp, Quantum Design Labs, Workout and Done Grips. They help keep my hands in one piece. And of course, OCR buddy and Hoplite Outfitters. Those are my best people that help me out. Cross supporters. I support
1: them. They support me. Yeah, I love them. Awesome. My name is Maggie B A T C. I am the OCR trainer on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram. I have a website. I offer online coaching and training. I offer in person training if you are in the Boston area. We are middle of the pack podcast. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, all of your podcasting apps. Obviously, you're listening to us right now, so you know you a little us. bit about where to find us. Find us. So thank you guys so much for listening in. I am excited to have something else very awesome coming to you very shortly. Stay tuned. I will tell you all about it probably within the next week if it actually happens. Okay, bye.
0: Get out there. Bye-bye.